1: Hi, this is Steve. Sequels always start arguments, and there can be big debates among cinephiles about which movie in a series is actually the best. Godfather 1 or Godfather 2? Star Wars A New Hope or The Empire Strikes Back? Star Trek The Motion Picture or Wrath of Khan? (laughs) I'm just kidding. That one is no contest. But some sequels like Alien and Aliens can be tough to compare, not just because they're both great movies, but because one is a terrifying horror movie and the other a sci-fi action film. In some ways, we face a similar difficulty in comparing the merits of the original Terminator and T2. Sure, they both sprung from the mind of writer-director James Cameron, but while the original Terminator is a dark, low-budget, very scary thriller, the sequel is filled with huge action sequences and plenty of warmth, family, and even humor. It also was, at the time, the most expensive film ever made. Now There's a lot of passion about these two movies, and we felt the only way to do T2 justice was to bring back our good friend, actor, writer, and Terminator expert, Shannon McClung, who was on board to discuss the first Terminator way back in episode 70. So if you haven't seen either Terminator or T2, you can rent or stream them on our website, cinephiles.net. You could also go through our entire catalog of podcasts and listen to any episode you might have missed. While you're there, I highly recommend checking out our discussion of the first Terminator film, in case you need to refresh your memory. So, that's Terminator 2 Judgment Day with special guest Shannon McClung this Friday on The Cinephiles. I'll take you off the police. Hey, wait, you swore! Trust me. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to the Cinephiles, where I have had a couple of drinks, and we're sitting down to talk about Terminator True. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California.
2: Hello, my name is John Rocha. I've also had a couple of drinks because we're talking about
1: AI. And that's a very unsettling <laughs> you thing for to, me. And you need to fortify yourself. I
2: need to, I need to get strong enough to handle what we're going to talk about, which is Cyberdyne Systems. And uh, I'm also a voiceover artist. Host, writer, and producer of numerous things in Collider, and currently now Spear being one of the people who's spearheading this new sports initiative at Collider as well. So a lot of things happening in my world that's a lot of fun. And if you're listening to this, depending on where you're listening to this, the top 10 show is also doing live shows now in L.A. and possibly other cities. So a lot of stuff is happening in my life, but I had to take the drinks because we're going to talk about one of the two things I fear the most this side of simian, simian uprising. uprising, it is the AI. And by the way, someone posted on Twitter for me yesterday morning, this uh, AI robot gorilla. What?
1: <laughs> I'm not lying to you, Steve. So your Christmas present this year
2: is a hammer to my head. I really I don't want to see this happening ever. And the gorilla was was a robot. It was a robot put inside of a, a design of a gorilla costume with the face and the head and everything. I'm like, I was screaming, screaming, screaming.
1: Well, fortunately, we have a guest today, and that guest is not a robot gorilla. No. That guest we get to welcome back to the Cinephiles, our our guest from Terminator One, a actor. Voiceover artist and writer of animation Shannon McClung, welcome back to thank, the Cinephiles.
3: Thank you very much. And as I as I mentioned on the Terminator mm. podcast, I am not afraid of this of this uh, AI uprising yep. because for years I fought that AI uprising five days a week at Universal Studios Hollywood, Florida, and Japan Yo. in the Terminator Two 3D stunt show. And what da, da. what were you playing in this Terminator Two 3D stunt show? I was playing the leader of the resistance, future leader of the resistance, John Connor. Right. So
1: so in fact, we have John Connor as our guest to discuss the introduction of John Connor. You have the Edward Furlong version of oh, John no. Connor.
3: <laughs> I was hoping for the Christian Bale version.
1: Wait, so you're saying you're sort of an Edward Furlong? uh
3: no i think now i think i don't know i think we're probably the same height but um in the show he's supposed to be 17 years old and i got hired to do that show when i was 18 oh so it was and how a, long did you do it for Uh like 15 years wow yeah i mean the, the number of shows that i did it's in the uh like 40,000. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Something like that. Some yeah. of my favorite
2: stories with Shannon are out drinking when he starts talking about the experiences of doing the show and kicking guests' legs who purposely stick their legs out to try to trip John Connor mm-hmm. as he's running by Things of that nature. Guests can be real a holes at theme parks, unfortunately. And I am not surprised. And I don't even know what's wrong with them because we're talking about AI. And when you're watching the show, <laughs> you should not be trying to trip John Connor. Trying to save your ass. He literally I mean, trying to
1: by save AI. you. He's trying to save you. Like, what is wrong with these people? Do you remember how you first came to Terminator 2? I remember distinctly your story of how you came to Terminator 1. Well, the
3: way that I come to Terminator films, they're always memorable stories. August 1991. (laughs) (laughs) My friend Brian and I, we were dropped off by my mom at our local Cineplex. We went to go see Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which came out shortly after Terminator 2. Mm. So we go in, and two 13-year-olds were probably not well-equipped enough intellectually to really enjoy Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I remember (laughs) watching...
1: It's a very highbrow, very complex...
3: Film. I remember thinking death is really fun, like that, that's kind of funny. But then you get into their weird kind of versions of hell, and then you get into the whole. Literally, stuff.
1: have no memory of the movie at all. It oh, is wow. not
3: good. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen it. I mean, I think I, I probably watched it on HBO at some point yeah. after it came out. But I was like, I don't get this. There is a love for it. Like there are people that really like it. Oh yeah. But we, we I don't. We didn't leave early because I remember them stepping out at the end with their ZZ Top beards. But we got out of the film, <laughs> and we had some time before my mom or, or his mom came and picked us up. And so. So we're kind of like, hey, let's go sneak into another movie. And he suggested Terminator 2. And five or six-year-old me, whoever saw it first, just paralyzed with fear. Like, oh, yeah.
1: God. Had you seen Terminator 1 again since your horrible experience? No. No. Um, and for by the way, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, I would strongly recommend that I w- that you go back into the archives and find our recording on Terminator 1, yeah. A, to hear this story, and B, to get you up to speed in order to listen to this podcast. Yeah. So we sneak into the theater. It's
3: about uh, an hour and a half in, an hour and 15 minutes wow. in. Um, And for one of the big chases, it was right before one of the big chases. And as I was watching that, I was like, wow, this is awesome. And I'm not scared at all right now. So we finished the movie. Like we actually watched the last, I don't know, third of the film. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one of our moms came and picked us up. And then I made a concerted effort to go back and watch it. And the opening did you know, went right I, back to that I, same I, moment. I felt that PTSD yeah. <laughs> cropping oh. back up, but then I ended up watching the movie again, and then I probably didn't watch it again until the auditions for Terminator Two came up, and then I went mm. did a deep dive. Yeah, and became very familiar with it.
1: <laughs> and Did that help you on your audition? It did.
3: It did. Sure. Yeah, the, the initial audition, they talked about how they wanted to portray him. Like he's he's not he doesn't get scared. He gets wired, and if you watch him in Terminator Two you don't get the sense that he is afraid. Right. You get the sense that he is, as the director, he's wired, he's getting energized. Like, it's, it might be a, uh, frane- a frantic energy, but it's not. he's not operating from a place of fear. And I found that very helpful.
1: Um, how about you?
2: Hulk Hogan does the same thing. <laughs> when he gets hulked up, he's wiring up. When he starts shaking and stuff, when he gets hit too much, that's what he's doing, he's wiring up, he's not afraid. Do you think John Connor got it from Hulk Hogan? I don't think so, no. I think... You, well, maybe. You don't know. The timing works. That's for sure. Uh, I think my first time was actually when it came out, the week that it came out or the night that it came out. Listen, I know before before I met you guys, I would go opening night to movies since I was a kid, since right. I was a teenager. So uh, this I remember going to see with three or four friends uh, um, right before or right, I guess right after I'd come back from basic training at AIT. So I went to see it when I was visiting Virginia with some friends and saw it, I think, at the AMC Potomac Mills Mall, and I remember sitting on the right side of the theater, distinctly by the um, by the aisle, because when that whole like explosion happens with Linda Hamilton staring at the kids in the playground, right. I remember just jumping up and like going down on one knee, in the in the <laughs> in the aisle way because I was so shocked by that moment, yeah. you know, and it, this film just absolutely. Just knocked you on your ass, and it was not like Terminator, right? It was not this kind of smaller, grittier, scarier, uh, uh, bleak version vision of the future. Right. This was more of a like Aliens versus Alien. This was more of a rousing kind of film, even with all the darkness and the the undertones of dread. There was still some uh, sweetness and fun to it because of the relationship between
1: Edward Furlong and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um- For me, I believe I too saw it opening day. Mm. And it's funny, we've talked many times about the Cinerama Dome in Los Angeles Mm. is what most people probably don't know is there is a Cinerama Dome in Concord, California. I was living in Walnut Creek at the time with my friend Jeff. And Jeff and probably my friend Steve Jones, who's been on the podcast, we all went to see it in the Cinerama Dome in Concord, I think on opening day and was just blown away. And I had watched Terminator over and over and over again. It was one of my favorites. So there was no question that I was going to it. And the thing about this, this is one of those watershed moments in Hollywood, I think, where this is like just, you know, Die Hard's 88. And this in 91 is like, here's the template for the big action movie that we're going to see throughout the 90s and is going to totally have influence on us today.
2: And it's there's an irony in this, too, that Steve, that's fantastic. This is the year that True Lies came out as well. This is the peak of Schwarzenegger. Wait, True Lies came out the same year as ninety-two. Mm-hmm. Are you
1: sure? I think it came out in ninety-four. You're out of your mind. All right, two people are checking their phones. We'll see which one gets to it first. Um, I, ca- I mean, I can't believe that Cameron is able to make those two movies in the same. I year. guess
2: you're right. I guess you're right. Well, Steven Spielberg did two movies in the same year. It's true. <laughs> so um, no, you're right. Ninety-four. You win, Shannon. Fine. Um, but either
1: way, it's it's like it's near peak Schwarzenegger. I right? well, it's his biggest, his most successful movie yeah. ever. And I, I think this is kind of peak Schwarzenegger. Because mm-hmm. True Lies, which I genuinely like, yeah. up until the up until the horrible fourth act, where it completely just falls apart for me. Yeah. But the movie but but the movie's really fun, but it's not T two. Right. Um I, I I took a look at pre production. The big thing I found out was one of the main reasons it took so long to do it was it was in legal trouble. Oh. Was yeah. there were issues with who owned the rights. And it took a while to secure the rights.
3: Which is still uh, I mean I think it got sorted out by the time Terminator Salvation came out. Mm. Uh but that that continued to go because Cameron I think he 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 lost control of the characters and he had the characters back and uh I can't remember who the studio is for Terminator 2 but um Karlo-ko. how are you uh, say that
2: Carolco Car- yeah Carolco yeah
3: that the at one point the budget I forget what the budget was set at but it started to balloon and they asked you know what? This is actually getting into the movie, so maybe I'll, I'll hold off on that. Okay, so hold we have something. So,
1: so we have to make sure to get to that. Um, and uh, it was shot mostly in L.A. It was a 171 day shoot. Wow, which is certainly a that's a long like, shoot. Like a three well, long it is people. a big budget movie, which yeah. we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll get to soon.
3: You can notice Edward Furlong uh, aging. Yeah, in the
1: desert, he looks younger. <laughs> what well, and I think he had to redub his voice mm-hmm. because he he his his voice changed mid shoot. Oh wow. Um. I've always spoken like this. (laughs) I would love to meet eight-year-old Roka. Would you like to buy this candy? (laughs) Um, Shall we get into the film? Let's do it, man. We start in uh, these quiet sort of shots of Los Angeles. And there's a freeway, and the music is somber, and then we're at a playground, and there's a city in the background, and then we fade to white. And then we go to your favorite part of the film, <laughs> the future. Los Angeles, 2029, which I just was thinking about. That's 11 years from now.
2: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> and it's so funny. You and, me, and we hear, by the way, Sarah Connor's voiceover, which I always forget mm-hmm. that this is a voiceover film. Yeah. Um, you know, and she said, you know, she kind of gives us a very similar voiceover as the text on the screen in the Terminator in the first one and talks about Judgment Day and the 3 billion people that were killed on eight twenty nine ninety seven eleven 11 years ago. So we are exactly halfway between Judgment Day and the day that we finally defeat the machines. <laughs> we have reached halftime. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then we go right to that same image of a skull getting crushed. Um, and what's so funny is you immediately see it's exactly the same stuff that we saw in Terminator but with way more money. It just yeah. looks a bit better. <laughs> it just looks a lot better.
2: <laughs> we don't get that Harryhausen moving left to right stuttering thing. No,
1: not exactly. First- and we got, uh, we got that Terminator exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. We got those battle chassis rolling through. We got human soldiers with their whatever kind of weapons they have. And very an them. 80s headband in sight. <laughs> no 80s headband. Right. <laughs> Terminators are still advancing. We go down into these tunnels. Uh, and then we hear, as the battle is going on, Sarah says that it's, they didn't send one Terminator. They sent two Terminators. And the first one was sent to 1984 to kill her. And the next one was spent to go to John when he was a child.
0: As before, the Resistance was able to send a lone warrior, a protector for John. It was just a question of which one of them would reach him first.
1: And we go into Dun 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 Dun, <laughs> and into those credits and that Terminator face. I was funny watching it this last time. I don't think I really quite saw how much this parallels the first movie. Mm. There's so many pieces like, oh, and now's the moment in this movie that was like the moment in that movie. Mm. And in a way that I think where some other sequels suffer from it, I don't think this one does. Mm -mm. I think this one really works well. And I had forgotten too that the credits, there's all these flames and that it's in fact over the flaming playground. Mm -hmm. Really, really strong. And then we get to LA today, just a truck camera moves along the ground, the wind starts blowing, and then you have that same lightning effect, and we know exactly what this is, Um, and then there's this ball of light, and there is naked Arnold, and again, everything is just a little sharper, a little sparklier, a little better done, and Arnold looks fantastic, not quite as big, not gigantic like he was in 1984, but he looks great. But more chiseled. More chiseled. Yeah. uh, and and it was funny the thing I was checking I was like well how old was Arnold because I agree with you that this is like peak Arnold yeah so he was forty four whoa see when he made this wow. that's what happens yeah
2: I just passed my peak
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking about it too because he's so big and I don't think he was ever quite as defined again okay. after this and yeah. I went and I went to look how old the Rock is and he's forty six yep
2: yeah but the Rock I think the Rock saw the lessons in Schwarzenegger. And went and went in reverse, like well the rock was a big dude, he wasn't like Schwarzenegger massive, like he was in conan right he he Schwarzenegger progressively got smaller and smaller because he wanted to be accepted as a regular actor right. in these films, plus he's getting older plus I mean, how, getting, long, exactly. how
1: long can you pump that much exactly iron and steroids allegedly we don't want to get sued uh,
2: <laughs> but the rock the rock has gone in the completely different direction. he's gotten bigger he's as huge. he's gotten the massive. I've interviewed him twice. The man is massive in person. Just overwhelmingly massive in person. And so you're just like, this is phenomenal, man. So yeah, right, the difference in approach. Uh, And we'll see. What The Rock is doing is what Swerger didn't do. The Rock is just doing as much as possible,
1: Yeah, you know? Well, and the thing is, they're very different. Yes. You know, they have their own personality, their own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Arnold uh, looks over, sees this biker bar, his Terminator vision scans the bikes, (laughs) um, and he heads inside. And the thing here's the thing I was thinking about, is that if you were a fan of the Terminator, and I don't remember what the ad campaign was at the time, but the way the movie is structured, you don't know this is a good guy. You don't. Nope. This, This is... A bad guy. And really, when the original Terminator opens, you have these two guys show up. Mm -hmm. You don't know who these guys are or what they want. Uh, But he goes into this biker bar, and um, there's just fantastic reaction shots as the huge naked Arnold (laughs) walks into this bar with the waitresses. The waitresses have great reactions. It's fantastic.
3: (laughs) Which, that was deliberate. That they didn't like, even though like leading into the film, like you knew he was playing the good guy this time. Mm-hmm. The way that the film was structured, that you they still wanted that to be a question mark. One of the first trailers yeah. for Terminator Two uh, was actually directed by Stan Winston and oh, did oh. not have any footage from the film. They just had the assembly line. Of the exoskeletons oh, coming out. I have out. a vague memory of this. And that was like, Cameron was uh, very deliberate that he, he wanted that to be a question mark. Is Arnold a good guy or is Arnold a bad guy?
1: I think it works so mm-hmm. great in the movie mm-hmm. to keep... And of course, we can't watch it that way now because we know what it is. But at that moment, yeah. that's a really cool tension. He's scanning the, the people in the bar with his Terminator vision and comes up on this big guy. And his heads-up display says, this is a perfect match. And then, I need your clothes, your boots... And your motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone laughs. The guy. Got to say please. (laughs) Smokes up that cigar. Puts it out on Arnold's chest. And I love, first of all, Arnold's Mm non-reaction. And then the guy's reaction to the non-reaction is great. Yeah.
3: You figure if a guy is ballsy enough to come into (laughs) – literally ballsy enough to come into a bar uh, buck naked that a a cigar burns, probably not going to do much.
1: Right. Why do you think it's so much fun to watch Arnold wipe out totally innocent people? Totally because it innocent? is. Totally
2: innocent? I wouldn't say totally innocent. Just guys at a biker bar. At this
1: late at night, eh, they're doing something shady.
3: They could have <laughs> asked him politely to leave. He didn't sure. have to he put out his, his put cigar, cigar on his chest.
1: But I don't think that's it. Because I even think in Terminator 1, it's fun watching yeah. Arnold wipe out the cops. Even though it's horrible Ooh. and scary. But I think you enjoy. There's something about watching Arnold do stuff mm-hmm. that you enjoy. See,
3: I don't agree about wiping. I mean, wiping out those punks like Bill Paxton at the yeah. beginning, yeah, like that guys. was incredibly cathartic because everyone's seen those people out on the street who yeah. who who might be right. hassling them, or you are just kind of like, oh, I don't like these guys. Something needs to happen to them. But wiping out the cops, I don't. I didn't get that reaction.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I didn't feel like I. I enjoyed I'll back
1: them. off of it. But, I. I, you're, you're, I think you're.
3: Right. Well,
2: no, I think you're right to feel what you want to feel, Steve. We're. Oh, I, we just didn't feel the same, don't same way. Don't want
1: this podcast right. to say Steve is
2: anti-cops. <laughs> <Steve laughs> steve no, no. has a deep dislike of law enforcement clearly yeah, well i he,
1: literally had a long conversation with my neighbor Trey, who's in law enforcement yeah.
2: well he grew up in berkeley you know who those hippies are but listen sure. the uh the thing is grew up near berkeley <laughs> went to oh, school well, I'm sorry. there oh near
1: berkeley <laughs> uh but
2: no the um like i said if you enjoyed that that's fine i'm sure a lot of people (laughs) did no i think i'm sure a lot of people
1: did well there's something about watching the guy that's just unstoppable
2: yeah 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 well and he has a charm that's so great that you can't help but go with him and when he's wiping these guys out i think there's also that sense of like oh it's just a bunch of biker guys and you know they're not the most revered section of our society so it's easy to fall into that trap of just like plus they came off aggressive towards him He just asked for the clothes yeah, they but put guy, out a I mean, cigarette on his chest. That's, that's a definitely. little bit of an overreaction.
3: And there is something satisfying about the one versus ten. Yes. Watching one guy yes. just blow and through. And the
1: indestructibleness. Yeah. Um, you know, because, and and like, I mean, the, the worst one is throwing the guy into the kitchen, onto the stove. Oh, yeah. And the, and the well, flames that come totally up. wasn't totally Arnold's fault. <laughs> Part of that was just fate. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know. Needless to say, the guy backs off, <laughs> you know, throws him the keys. Arnold gets the clothes. Um, and then we get the cut to outside and bad to the bone. Yeah.
2: This is great.
3: <laughs> That's a great. That song is top five legendary songs. Bad it's a great George song.
2: Of course, and are good bad.
3: And the poor bartender who's literally just trying to keep do the right thing. He's trying to get his patron's vehicle from keep his patron's vehicle from being yeah. stolen. But Arnold doesn't do anything. Like he takes the shotgun from him and he yeah. takes his sunglasses. Yeah. He doesn't do anything to, to hurt him.
1: Why does he not kill him? He's not a threat. Yeah. Okay. He's not a threat. He assessed the threats and he dealt with them. Mm -hmm. It is a very funny moment when he takes the shades. Yes. It's great. And and all the way this is shot, the shots of the boot going up to the wheel of the motorcycle, the motorcycle pulling out, him riding the motorcycle, all to the song. It's just all super cool and fun.
3: And it also tells you this is our good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas
2: in la- whereas in the first one it tells you that's our bad guy.
3: Yeah. When he did this. I don't
1: know that it tells us I mean, I we're having fun, certainly. I mean the level of fun in Terminator two compared to Terminator One is completely different.
2: Yeah. But I would also say, look, this is nineteen ninety one. He's done twins. He's done, I think maybe kindergarten cop is a year later or something like that. Yeah. So he's done he's done these films where he's already and he's become like this famous That's a person great point. and people want him on their shows. So there's no way he was gonna play a villain again. So you 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 were already kind of whether it's subconscious or not, uh you had a sense that he wasn't necessarily going to play the villain. So the way they played the scene out where these guys are kind of uh you know kind of dirty looking dudes and they put out a cigarette or cigar on him and they hit him in the back with a pool cue like he he is the underdog in essence so you cheer for him the way it's presented. Yeah. Whereas in the first one those guys look like they were scared of their minds and he just tore them all to pieces.
1: Well, and we have him to f- totally fun music. Yeah. Riding right. off with cool shots on the bike. We're, we're, we're set up to like this guy in a way we were set up to be terrified of the guy mm-hmm. in the first film. Um, we have our next appearance. A cop rolls up, uh, on some lightning bolts. He gets out of his car. He calls on the radio. He looks around, he sees that hole burnt in the fence. No Terminator. Um, there's that POV camera coming up from behind him and there's this naked man. Um he does something to the cop. We don't quite know exactly what happens. And then now we see that guy, that cop wearing that cop uniform. And I think what we think if we know nothing about the movie is oh, he killed the cop and he took his clothes. Yes. That's what we would assume. And that's what Kyle Reese does is that he takes some guy's that some guy killed took my pants. Yeah, right. You know, that's what what Reese does. And so in because in the first movie we have this skinny guy show up and this big, huge guy. And the big, huge guy is the bad guy. And the skinny guy, we're going, well, who is that is that? Yeah. And we only discover much later that he's the good guy. We have exactly the same thing mm-hmm. happening here. Um, and if you don't know anything, you're like, okay, maybe this is the good guy. I don't know. Um, and, of course, we we should say that the cop is Robert Patrick. Yeah. Who is as perfectly cast as uh, – he's his whole look in this film is amazing. Mm-hmm. First film. Is this his first like first person? leading
2: role? Like first leading role, first in you know, this wow. way,
1: yeah. This is what announced him
3: to everything, and he's super scary. Yeah, he is. Like that cold, dead stare. Yep. Like that was something that I think Arnold didn't really have when yeah. he was playing the bad guy. He did not have the cold, dead stare the way Robert Patrick does.
2: He didn't have to.
1: <laughs> yeah be sure, sure. That's, it's that's inevitable
2: fair. death is inevitable and so he doesn't have to stare at you it's going to happen I think there's, there's something yeah there's it.
1: something weirder and creepier and scarier about Robert Patrick yeah plus Whereas, he's wearing
2: a cop uniform yeah stuff, which makes it even more creepier and weirder and scarier in a subconscious
1: way as I've already said in the podcast I love cops <laughs> and I have no negative feelings about them whatsoever um <laughs> And what he does, by the way, he gets in the cop car, he checks the computer and finds out where John Connor is and who his legal guardians are. And we cut to the suburbs. And there's a woman who is not Sarah Connor yeah. yelling at John Connor, who's working on a motorcycle in the garage with his buddy. His, his ginger ginger buddy. A ginger mullet of his. Um, how old is John Connor supposed to be? It's very confusing to me. Well, they're his foster parents. Right. So John is supposed to be, I think, 14, 12 to 14 no, years No, I think he's like 11 or 12. 11 or 12. Yeah. Okay. so it looks 14. The, like. So 84, he's conceived. The oh, movie yeah. is in 91. Right. I think it takes place in 94. Yes. Okay. So I think he's supposed to be 10. Right. Who? What 10-year-old can ride a motorcycle around Los Angeles? Having grown up in the South... Yeah. All I can tell you is those kids
2: are riding at eight or nine years old. They're doing that ATV stuff at ten or twelve of themselves. Right.
3: And there's also the fact
1: that he grew up with Sarah Connor as his mom. Right. Was I'm not him saying stuff. he can't ride. The, and 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 uh, Edward Furlong does not look ten. No, he looks fourteen. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. It's always been confusing to me about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fine. It's all fine. It doesn't stop me on the movie or anything. But it's a little bit confusing. Anyway, he and his buddy are talking, and that you know,
0: your foster parents are kind of dicks, huh?
1: And we go inside, and we hear his foster parents talking about him, and yeah. they are kind of dicks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Xander Berkeley just wants to watch TV.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> By the way, that other actress, she's been in a number of James Cameron movies in small parts. Oh. Yeah. In the in Titanic, she's the Irish woman telling mm. her kids to sleep oh, while the blood is gosh. coming in. Oh, Yeah, the, while the water's coming in. That's her. Wow. Uh, and in uh, Terminator, in, I'm sorry, in Aliens, she's Sanchez. Oh.
1: Same actress. Wow. She's Sanchez? Oh, yeah, She's Sanchez. Looks totally different. Yep. Um, Cameron had her in a few things. It's great. And uh, foster dad comes out to give him a piece of his mind yeah. about something and it's says, true. your mother told you to do this. And he says, not my mother. And they take Todd. <laughs> Todd.
2: Todd. <laughs> and he revs up the engine to do, uh, when his, mo- his foster mom tries to talk to him. He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He's kind of a jerk. John Connor? Yeah. Absolutely. A little bit of a jerk. Um, and correctly so, though I think that is yeah. that is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, you're a lot to take in when you're told the world is going to end, and then, and you by your mom for years, and your mom does all these things with these unsavory care. Types so that you she can be trained to fight and defend you, and you've got to understand
1: that you're the key to the It's a it's a lot of weight, and doesn't give you it seems the love and affection that right. you know, and that she ends up being completely crazy, and she's raised you with all this bullshit. Exactly that yeah, it makes sense that you're kind of a jerk, right? You know, and you're with these foster parents, We're kind of Janelle just. and Todd, who yeah. are kind of jerks. <laughs> um, speaking of his mom, let's go to see a high security mental health facility yeah. and meet Sarah Connor,
3: Pescadero. Who, what is it, Pescadero? Pescadero State, Hospital State Hospital for the Hospital. Criminally Insane or something yeah. like that? Well,
1: I gotta remember that. that's gonna be a smell down question. <laughs> All right, yes, go ahead. Uh she's doing some pull-ups. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times watching this movie that I went, My God, oh, wow. Linda Hamilton looks amazing. She got transformed yep. yeah. for that film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and this is, I mean, thing about James Cameron is that you have his portrayal of Ripley. In, yes. in Aliens. And now you have this Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. There had never been a female character like this in film that mm-hmm. I know of. Mm-hmm. And she is ripped and gorgeous and intense. And I think Linda Hamilton's great. Yeah. This, in this absolutely agree. And you know what?
3: She's doing the pull-ups on. No, it's the bunk bed turned upside.
1: Oh
3: uh, yeah, which you can do that, but the amount of control that you have to have to make it not tip I over. I can't do it. right. <laughs> it's a lot of core work.
2: It's a lot of core work. Um, by the way, she's—is he married to her at this point, Cameron, or are they dating, or like a,
3: there's a situation here in some form? I think they got married afterward. Yes, so they I probably.
1: Th- I think I could yeah. be wrong though. Yeah. And who should come in? But our good dear friend. Doctor Silberman, yeah, from the first film, leading some students, I assume, and describing the such a jerk, um, yeah, tells the story of what her delusion is about this Terminator, and he's an amazing dick.
2: He's so unnecessarily a dick. That's the thing (laughs) that makes him such a phenomenal dick that he just he doesn't have to be this way, but he seems to enjoy
1: it. He revels in his dickishness. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the whole the bopping of the head and the ch- double chin thing
1: and we kind of get a sense of what her world has been like and mm-hmm. then we're back at the suburbs and there's a knock on the door and there's our cop who we met before asking questions about john connor yeah uh and and it's obvious that you know what's he done now that this is a kid that's been in trouble a lot uh and he has to talk to them and they tell him he took off on his bike he asked for a photograph uh they get one she he looks at the photograph. And I lo- he, he clearly, in his programming or whatever, mm-hmm. is more human, is able to pretend to be more human and colloquial than the, er- the earlier generation Terminator. Because mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, nice looking boy. And asked to keep the pictures. And then it comes up that you're the second guy. Big guy came here asking about him earlier. Yeah. And I love the moment where they said, does this have something to do with this? And, and uh, Robert Patrick's response is,
0: no. I wouldn't worry about him.
2: There's a deliberate pause.
1: Yeah. And then
2: he goes, no, I wouldn't worry about him. It's just the delivery is so perfect in the pause because he just knows that now he knows what he has to do. Right. And also uh, he is doing his best to, as a robot or or a sentient thing would, to try to imitate human uh, soothing response, but would feel strangely out of step.
1: Well, and I think it's that. He knows what that is. That that's a T eight hundred. Is that what Arnold? T eight hundred, yeah. A T eight hundred. It's like he's not. He's no big deal. Yeah. Like he knows. Oh, that means that the term the the earlier ter- model Terminators already been here. Yeah, we don't have to worry. Yeah. About <laughs> John Connor apparently knows how to break into ATMs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Easy money. <laughs> Easy money. It, it, it's so funny just looking at that now. Just that te- that ability to. Break the code on the ATM seems even more unbelievable today than it did to me at the time.
3: Yeah, and they they get three hundred dollars out, yeah. and then they go
1: play arcade games. They go,
3: yeah, they go to the arcade, which is uh, one of the local malls. Is I don't know if it's the Sherman Oaks Gallery. Uh, I think it's
1: Sherman Oaks, mm. which doesn't exist like that anymore. That's been totally. When I first moved to LA, I yep. went to the mall and it was like that, and now it's you know there's that arc light there. It's yeah. completely uh, redone, um, but yeah, three hundred dollars is so much money for a 10-year-old in 1991 to play video games. That's just crazy. Um, And the other thing we find out is, how did he learn how to do this? Learned it from his mom. Oh, your mom must be pretty cool. And then he says, No,
3: she's a complete psycho. That's why she's up at Pescadero. It's a mental institute, okay? She tried to blow up the computer factory, but she got shot and arrested. Oh, shit. She's
0: a total loser. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So, Edward Furlong, yep. he's not that great an actor in this film. He's inconsistent. Yeah, there's... You're,
2: you're all being so kind. <laughs> he's the irritating part of the movie. It drives me insane. It's one of the reasons why I don't love this movie more than, I, than the first one, because uh, he is so incredibly irritating with the high-pitched and the delivery of the lines. And, but that being said, when he has the actual connective moments with Schwarzenegger in the film... They're really authentic. And I think that's where he shines the There's some the best. really nice scenes. Yeah. The, all the other stuff, it seems like he can't quite get there and actually embodying that attitude, embodying that character. But when he gets to those moments with Schwarzenegger, they're really nice.
3: And he hadn't uh, done anything prior right. to this. Like, he was literally a kid. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was Cameron who found him or the casting director that found him. But they saw that th- there is this kid with this look like... That's John Connor. And I want to say, that like, they actually found him at a mall or something like that. And they gave him a card saying, or gave his mom a card saying, uh, come to this office. And suddenly he... That's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like the 1940s. That's like going to Schwab's yeah. and getting discovered.
1: That is, that is just so insane. And, and it's funny, too. This is also why I believe, as evidence of why James Cameron is a far better director than George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Because a weak actor playing young Anakin Skywalker. Everyone blames him, whatever his name is. Yeah, Hayden Christensen. Jake Lloyd. J- both. Jake. Oh, Jake Lloyd, right. Either one. Um, and it's like, well, in a if the movie had been really good, he wouldn't have seemed so bad. Mm. You know what I mean? Whereas in this movie, uh, there are things that Edward Furlong does that I think are weak, but the movie's still really good. Uh, anyway, they head off to the mall, and who follows them? Arnold. Yeah. Then we go back to our mental institution and Sarah is watching Sarah on a video monitor as she t- is upset and telling the story of what's going to happen mm-hmm. and of her dreams where she sees children burnt like paper, black, not moving, and then they fly apart. And, the, and uh, Dr. Silberman is trying to convince her that it's a dream. It's
0: not a dream anymore. It's real.
1: I know the day it happens. I'm sure it feels very real to you
3: on august 29 1997 it's gonna feel pretty fucking real to you do. anybody not wearing two million sunblock is gonna have a real bad day get
1: it and there's sarah watching herself that finally ends in this freeze frame yeah and it is exactly the same moment of sarah watching reese in terminator one uh, when he is talking yeah. to silberman that ends on a freeze frame Good call. But, you know Good it, it's like the same moment and yet Unlike other films where they, this is what I'm saying, is like it doesn't bother Mm -hmm. me, but it is exactly an echo of the same scene. Mm. And Silberman freezes it in the same way to demonstrate how crazy this vision of the future is. Mm. But she doesn't believe any of that anymore. She's good. Uh, She says she's much better now. Yes, your
3: attitude has been
1: much improved lately. And she says. It's
0: helped me to have a goal. Something to look forward to.
1: And when he asks what it is, she says that if he, she was better in six months, she could maybe see her son. She tips her hand. Mm-hmm. Totally tips her hand. And he kind of quizzes her. She said, you still, you don't think the Terminators exist? No, I don't think they exist.
0: But you've told me on many occasions about how you crushed one in a hydraulic press. Well, if I had, there would have been some evidence.
1: And he asks, so you don't think the factory covered it up? And she says, no, why would they? And then we cut away. Mm-hmm. Uh, To Cyberdyne (laughs) John, if I told you that there was really a Cyberdyne system
2: There was I used to go at Universal Studios to Cyberdyne all the time
1: (laughs) (laughs) A nice, lovely young lady who would
2: talk to us Before we went into the Cyberdyne uh, (laughs) systems show Her name was Kimberly
1: Duncan Her name was Kimberly Duncan And we hear about Dyson, who's going to come sign for IT Whatever Mm. IT is And someone starts to ask questions about where they got IT and we are told not to ask. And uh, so we meet uh, Miles Dyson, and that is the great Joe Morton. Mm-hmm. I think he's so good in this movie mm-hmm. for so little. Yeah, Like he just is, he, he is one of the great un, underused actors, well, I think. Certainly underappreciated. Yeah. You know, I,
2: I'm, I'm, first time I ever saw him, I think it was Brother from Another Planet, this independent film that everyone said was really funny. And, and I watched it, it was incredible. And then seeing all these smaller parts and then all these main roles. He's never not good. He, even as recently yeah. as Justice League, he does a really nice job as Cyborg's father. Yep. And and so you just he's like Giancarlo Esposito, you can just cast this guy and you know you're going to get really solid work and good character work mm. that yeah. that is honest and authentic.
3: If Justice League had been a uh I think a better film, yeah. the praise surrounding him as playing a, a character sort of like Miles Bennett Dyson. Right. Getting older, like that would have been that would have been something we would have read about.
1: Yeah, probably did you? And right now he's going into this vault where they have to use two keys to open it. Once he walks into this room, we see this uh, microchip, and then we see the Terminator's hand, and we hear dun 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 dun. dun." (laughs) Back to Sarah and Doctor Silberman. Yeah, he's not buying it,
3: and being a dick. But you also get to see the darkness with yep. him like just completely unsympathetic to what she's saying like i know how smart you are uh, uh and, and i can't remember the line that like she's like if i could just make a phone call i'm afraid
1: not just complete yeah. so cold here's the one thing i'll say is that he is a horrible awful person in this case he is correct mm-hmm. she is completely bullshitting yeah i mean he has seen through her level of bullshit right now what he's the way he's treating this, this person and the, and, the, and particularly because look, you went home when all the cops got killed, but a whole bunch of cops did get killed. Yeah. you know, like she has some reasons behind what her belief system is, and he is just horrible to her. Yeah. And what happens when he says that you can't see your son? Hand gestures don't work. On yeah. the <laughs> Audio on podcast. podcast. Yeah. Sarah erupts. She yeah. goes nuts. <laughs>
2: she's a feral animal yeah her her and like you can see this like sliver or this uh, saliva starting to come out of her mouth she's so uh, lost in what she's trying to get across to them
0: you're gonna die
1: yeah she just goes totally nuts they call for restraints they call for thorazine. No. they restrain her yeah And the last moment is him turning the camera saying, model citizen.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Such a jerk. With the eye roll. Horrible. (laughs) Uh, I always always find these moments interesting in in films. The fourth wall breaking. When the film is not consistently fourth wall breaking, they have one moment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like West Side Stories watching recently recently after they do Cool, Cool, and they look up and they point. Yep. Yeah, they're supposed to be looking at the guy who yelled at them at the window, but they're really looking no. up at the audience. Yeah. And it's that breaking of the fourth wall. This is that. But you have to earn those moments to have them not take you out of the movie, and this one
1: doesn't. Yes, it does not, no. you're saying, no. you saying. No. It's a great cherry on top of a fun scene. Yeah. Uh, John's riding through the L.A. River, which is much harder to do in real life I mean... than it is in the movie. <laughs> And the Terminator's on the freeway and sees them. And our cop is asking some girls. They say, oh, you just missed him. He's going to the Galleria. We're in the parking lot. <laughs> Terminator sees the bike. Uh, our cop is walking through the Galleria. I guess I can call him the T-1000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Arnold is walking through the mall. And the cop is asking people questions. And we're getting to this point where we finally get to John playing Missile Command. Mm-hmm. Which I always hated. That was like my least favorite of that era of games with the ball and the...
3: Well, and by 91, that game, that was more like an
1: Atari game. Yeah, that was an early 80s game. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, or mid-80s, I guess.
3: But remember, they had it on Atari, but look at... Because he's later playing Afterburner, which is one of those games that you sit in the... That was cool. That was a very cool game. And the moment that... The camera is on his face as the hair is, hanging, mm-hmm. his hair is hanging in front of his eyes and you see the flashes from the explosions on the screen and you see this intensity yeah. in his mm. eyes. You get to see like this is this, this kid. is the John
1: Connor of the future. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, and finally, our cop comes up and finds uh, John's buddy and ask him yeah. and he does. A, he does a pretty good. No, I don't know who you're talking about. Right. And then immediately goes to John and goes, you got to go,
0: <laughs>
1: which he does. And then we have this sequence as John is running from the cop and Arnold is coming into the mall carrying a box of flowers. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, this is the parallel to the club scene in Terminator where you have the two people coming together, Sarah hiding from, the not knowing who she's hiding from. And we have John running from the cop and then sees Arnold and thinks, oh my God, this is the bad guy. And then in fact, Arnold draws the shotgun, mm-hmm. tells him to get down, and fires at the T-1000. Get down. <laughs>
3: ah! Well, also, when he opens up the box of roses, and, and he, he, you see him step mm-hmm. on it, it's the, it's the song, that Guns and Roses, yep. that uh, oh. that is from the soundtrack.
1: Yep, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, and we, first of all, have the first time where we see the T-1000 get shot. We have those great tinfoil-looking yep. wounds open up, that then seal up, and this is like, wait, what is going on? Yeah.
3: And when he actually gets back up, and he and Arnold are sort of uh, jostling yeah. for position, you can almost see on Arnold's face, on his robotic face, yeah. this oh shit, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't move this guy.
1: Yeah, I think they do a perfect job of making Arnold extremely powerful and just under being able to handle this guy. Mm-hmm. I think that they do that in the choreography really well. Um, One thing I should say, by the way, because this was a story from way back in film school, Uh, Gary Wrightstrom, I believe, is the sound designer for Terminator 2, and he is one of the great sound designers of all time. He's won lots of Oscars, including for this film, and that one of the things that happened was they went, okay, we have Arnold's gun. We need the sound of that, and he's got a shotgun or something like that, and they go, so they get the exact shotgun that Arnold's firing, and they record it, and they're like, no. It's not big enough. And then they get a 12-gauge, a and then they get a sawed-off, and then they get this one. and like, no, it's not big enough. And then they get an elephant gun, hmm. and they shoot it. And it's like, no, it doesn't sound big enough. And then they get, you know, like an old black powder musket, and they're experimenting with, like, what? Right. And they're like, no, that's not it. And then finally, it's a cannon. It's a literal <laughs> cannon that I think they fired in a canyon, so it has all this built-in <laughs> reverb. That is the sound of Arnold's gun. It's wow. like... Boom!
3: <laughs>
1: it is a big, powerful sounding gun. It is, um, and as you say, you know they they wrestle. John's still running, and they you know throw each other through some stores, and then uh, and then they go out after John, um, who who gets down to his bike. Which he kind of jumps out of the, the parking lot with the cop chasing behind him. One of the things I think they do so well in the film is making it look like Robert Patrick can run yeah. really, really fast yeah. without doing the thing of speeding him up, really. Mm-hmm. He just – I don't quite know what they're doing. I mean, obviously, the motorcycle's not going that fast. Right. But it looks like he's kind of keeping up. As they come out of the parking lot, a truck kind of swerves to avoid hitting the T-1000. He rips that truck driver out and jumps in the truck, and we're into a really, really good chasing. Yeah. I mean, this one is so Welsh. every shot, it's like where the camera is moving, where the how it's framed. It is so exciting and so well done. And he jumps down into the L.A. River again and thinks that he's kind of safe. Yeah. <laughs> and then you hear sort of the screeching tires, and he looks up. This shot – is astounding yeah this is a fantastic stunt of the big truck going off the overpass crashing through the concrete coming down in slow motion with john connor in the foreground that is an amazing (laughs) film
3: well and that was a moment when again when they push in on john's face where you do get a great organic real reaction from him the the look of maybe that is the one time that he looks scared like oh my god what is about to happen
1: yeah John takes off, the truck is chasing him, and Arnold on the Harley is up above on a pathway going along the L.A. River.
3: He's doing that great move, the the spin cocking of the shotgun, blasting the locks off of the fences.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah which yeah. Is great. Which is something that looks—I mean, and I don't know quite how they did it all. I'm assuming that Arnold's bike is on a trailer so that he's not actually having to ride the motorcycle for most of it when he's spinning and firing because— mm. To keeping your balance while you're doing that move just seems like a really hard thing. Not only a hard thing to do, but a really dangerous thing to do. Oh, I'm sure. When you have your movie star on it, well, and that that maneuver that he learned for uh, for the
3: film, he couldn't uh, like they wanted him in gloves, but he couldn't spin mm. spin the gun with gloves on. And as he was doing it, as they were filming, his fingers were getting caught mm. in, in the, uh, the what, what, what do you call that? the Trigger guard? Yeah. And it was ripping his skin off oh. of his fingers. So having to keep that flat look that he had as he's doing it, losing, getting little bits of skin ripped off every time he
1: spends it. Testament to his, uh, his commitment as an actor. Well, yeah. One thing we could say about Arnold throughout his entire career, he is committed. Like Arnold, yeah. Arnold is willing to do the work that is necessary. We, I love that we see it over and over and over again. Is what I'm saying,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. because it gets the point across. That it isn't just a trick. It's been like Absolutely. he wants to assert that it's something that he. It was going to make him distinct from the Terminator from the first movie, right? They're doing these cool moves, lays even more groundwork on what you want to like this guy.
1: Yeah, the the truck is getting closer, and we get to a low overpass, and the truck barrels right through, rips the whole top of the truck. This is just such a crazy moment in the movie. Um, And and what I read, I don't know if you saw this, is that the reason they did, this wasn't planned. I mean, obviously, they planned to do the stunt. But what happened is they get to the location, see that there's this low overpass, and go, well, we can't drive the truck through here. And Cameron goes, yeah, we can. This is what we're (laughs) going to do. And I love the moment that John is looking back as the truck comes through. And it comes out, and there's no driver in the driver's seat. And there's a moment of, oh, maybe I'm cool. And then up pops... The T-1000 knocks the windshield out of the way. It is great. Um, and then even, and this is where I go, like, I don't know how this is possible. The truck starts bumping into John Connor on the motorcycle. I don't see how he's staying on. That. Yeah, it would roll him over. And now, so now we've had the truck. Barreling off the overpass down to the LA River, we have Arnold spinning the shotgun, blowing the locks off the gates. Yeah. We've had the truck slamming through another overpass, becoming a convertible, and now just to add one more stunt to this ridiculous sequence is Arnold jumping off of this Damn. thing and landing right in the in the river. It is an amazing stunt. It is.
3: <laughs> they had cables on the bike because oh, really, because yeah, Harley, if it were to jump it. Anywhere near that height. The whole thing would just bottom out. Of course. <laughs> but they actually had cables to, I mean. So he suspended a bit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you, but there's still a significant impact because you right. can see the stunt double lurch right. forward. But yeah, he was on cables for that. I love
2: how the stunt double looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's the thing <laughs> Like I was watching it for the show and I was like,
1: this that's Van Damme.
2: That's Van Damme.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Arnold gets in front, he grabs John, lifts him onto yeah, his own bike, stuff. shoots out the tires of the truck, the truck crashes, gas leaks, it blows up as Arnold drives away with the kid, stops the bike, the bike, they look back at the fire. I mean, this is like classic big action sequence moments. And then they ride away.
3: Well, the tire comes out. The, the flaming tire spins out. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And he does the move one more time. Right. And then then they take off, and that's the first time we see the T-1000 in complete liquid right. metal form. Yeah,
1: right. And we have to say... This is the other reason that they took a long time to make this film, is Cameron had this idea from Terminator, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And this is finally that they were able, after trying out the technology in the abyss, this is finally where they were able to really do it.
2: And the first time they made a photorealistic move like this is uh, young Sherlock Holmes, actually.
1: Right. The, oh, yeah, certain. the stained glass window. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, and this is, we talked about before, this is uh, ILM's computer division. Yeah. This is all the origins of Pixar. Yep. You know, is that th- those same guys that worked on the Genesis Project in Wrath of Khan. Right. The Sherlock Holmes stained glass window. Yeah. The Abyss. And now this, those are the guys who are eventually going to be Pixar. Hmm. Yeah. I I'd mean, love that, to do the Abyss sometime. That'd be fun. It'll be fun up until we get to the end. What? How dare you? But that's a really good movie. <laughs> but well there, there are problems. I was just I don't disagree. Problems in the end.
2: There are problems with every Cameron movie. Yeah. let's tell the truth. That's what I would like to say real quick. This is the best script Cameron has ever written. In my opinion, this film it's his best film, wouldn't you say? Oh I, maybe because some people would argue Avatar. some people oh, would argue aliens. On. Some people would really argue mm. aliens. But I like this script. I think this script is a really fun script. Aliens is, has, has a good script as well, but but the Burke thing is so cheesy villain that it doesn't a hundred percent or stereotype villain that it doesn't a hundred percent work for me overall as well as
1: Terminator Two does. My my favorite is Terminators, the first one. Oh, the first one. And the reason, and I think sure. the reason is is that it has the least cheese. Is that there's the certainly the Cameron. Cheese is always what sort of makes me go, oh, you had to say King of the World. Like, you uh, had to do this moment.
2: Titanium, Really? Unob- Unobtainium?
1: So, I mean, there's just these moments where I'm like, like I, was, I was in there. I was yeah. so good. And then you did this thing. And Terminator <laughs> is not cheesy. No. You know? I mean, I, I, was, I'm a big Cameron fan. Mm-hmm. I really really like him. And in every I mean honestly True Lies that fourth act is yeah. like where it like goes oh the movie was going so well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they there's just a lot of flaws in his movies.
2: Although I will say my problem with True Lies is this. She did nothing wrong. He was away all the effing time on these missions. Oh, yeah. She was alone. She was lonely. She met some dude. She never even makes out with the guy, sleeps with the guy, nothing. But yet, he tricks her to doing a striptease for some dude as a spy in a hotel room for his own pleasure. He's a jerk. (laughs) He's a dick. And she has every right to be upset at him. And the fact that they make him be the aggrieved in this situation tells you that's 1990s thinking. It was
1: very mad at well, I don't know, though.
2: Rewatching I, the movie, I was extremely I mad him at him. Time.
1: Because I always think that he's he is acting like a jerk. That's part of what the movie is, is that you're laughing at his kind of ridiculousness. Because we're
2: stuff. men. But I'm sure a lot of women were laughing at that guy being a jerk, saying, Crushed we've dated assholes I haven't, like that. I haven't before.
1: seen the movie in 15 years. I saw it last year. Yeah. And just to
2: see, because I, I was on this kick of watching uh, Schwarzenegger movies, Sure. because I wrote that article about how mm. uh, that column for Tracking Board where, where it hit that point where when did he start The Descent, mm-hmm. right? And so I was re- revisiting some of his movies. And True Lies, to me, is a very difficult film. Like, it's very difficult. It's not as good now in retrospect. Yeah, it's fun. And if you turn your uh, blinders off to, I mean, if you turn your blinders on to certain things,
1: you'll. Enjoy My blinders it. are always on. <laughs>
2: yeah, fair enough. But like, but to me, uh, he's such a jerk, and it's only because he's like charming somewhat, and you like Schwarzenegger that he gets away with the stuff he does. But nobody else should be getting away with that kind of stuff, you know. Plus, Tom Arnold's in it for God's sakes. Anyway.
1: <laughs> okay but i digress anyway so john connor's on a motorcycle with a real terminator mm-hmm. and he is discovering that everything that his mom told him that he thought was bullshit yeah is true mm. that's a lot to take in mm-hmm. he adjusts fairly quickly yes well if you figure
3: you've been fed a lie yeah you've been conditioned for the years you're yeah. suddenly it, it's different than Sarah being told this by Reese in the first one, because this is completely foreign information. Um, John's been told this his whole life. And it's only within the last few years that he was told she was wrong. That's crazy thinking. Right. So
1: it was already there. And this scene is the parallel scene to her and Reese in the parking lot where she now has the conversation. Good call. Yep. Absolutely. And the one key thing we find out is that he's on a mission and he asks, who sent you? And the answer is, you did, you did, you did. By the way, this was the worst uh, adult John Connor ever,
2: right? The dude ha- doesn't say anything, has the scars over his eye, and just looking left to right. It's it's a there's nothing. <laughs> what I, it says in the script actually. It's I'm sure. Look <laughs> left to right. I just was surprised that they cast a no one as as John Connor. You would think they would think that at some point the kid's gonna grow up and be this person. We should a, we should cast a good actor. We might want to bring back. To become John Connor in later installments of the, of the series.
3: Well, not necessarily, because the end of the film negates Judgment
1: Day.
2: Oh, right. Yes. It's good point. So I that guess. guy never...
1: Well, I have an add-on when we get to the Oh, that. boy. Okay. Here we go. Um, later on, we have a little conversation about, what is that other guy? Is he like you? It's like, no. Not like me. The T-1000. Advanced prototype.
0: You mean more advanced than you are?
1: Yes. I me
2: alloy. Oh, how long they must have made him try to say that.
1: <laughs> um, and John wants to go back to stop by the house. Yeah. Can't do that. Too dangerous. So instead, we're going to make a phone call. Uh, oh, we get to a phone booth. This is great. Mm. I like this scene a lot. Yep. Smart. And the first thing I like is is they get to the phone booth, and John goes, you got a quarter? And Arnold just punches through that phone booth. <laughs> they call. Janelle answers. And she's very concerned about John. Is everything okay? I made stew. And he's like, she's never been this nice. Right. Arnold asks. What's the dog's name?
3: Max. Hey, Janelle. What's wrong with Wolfie? Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. Where are you?
0: Your foster parents are dead.
1: (laughs) Hangs up the phone and we go back to the house. And there is Janelle with todd stuck on a spike through the milk carton through the milk carton what a great sequence yeah and uh we watch the hand return and then he morphs into the cop yeah and this is our second big sort of morphing effect Mm -hmm. yeah I, i i think this is great yep yeah
3: well and as janelle when she takes the you know the the stabbing stabby arm out she sort of looks at it it's it's like the t-1000 discovering what he can do yeah mm. for the first yeah, time totally. there is that moment of like huh okay that was new yeah
2: one of the reviews I read that that was one of the interesting things about this movie is that the T one thousand was discovering was discovering what it can mm. do as the film was going along, and all the different things that it does, like when it has that fight scene later near the end where it goes flat faced and then spins around within its own. That was so cool, right? That kind of stuff. You you see, he's discovering what he can do with this uh, with this uh, particular
1: alloy. We're back in Pescadero with the uh, mental institution. And now some cops are talking to Sarah because that dude that killed all those cops, all those years ago has showed up again and they want to ask her some questions and she is not answering. Nope. And they say, your son is missing. The foster parents have been murdered. Doesn't that mean anything to you? Don't you care? Nothing. Mm. They wave her hand in front of their face. Nothing. And they go, that's wasting time. Let's go. Um, and we hear, oh, the doctor says, yeah, more and more, she's just disconnected from reality. What a jerk! And while that's happening, Sarah grabs a paperclip. <laughs> Sarah's cool, yeah, resourceful if nothing else. Um, more scenes with John and the Terminator, and we hear a little more that they spent a lot of time in uh, Nicaragua. And this is what you were talking—no, that you were talking mm-hmm. about It's like what Sarah it seems like she did was she found any man that could teach her something yeah. that she could get something from and she was with him as long as she could learn explosives or helicopters or guns or mm-hmm. what tactics or whatever it's got to be a pretty rough life for young john connor
2: and well also there is a it also give you a window into sarah connor as a mom there is such a resilience and determination and strength by mothers to defend their children find do whatever they need to do to make sure their children survive and that lets you know she she probably slept with some very unsavory people. She probably endured beatings, maybe even some kind of sexual assault, all in an effort because the people who get involved in have know how to use weapons and military grade like that's they're not the nicest people. So she must she might have experienced some really damaging things just to get the knowledge she needed for John Connor to to make sure he doesn't get caught out and he can fight this war
3: because there's no limit to what a mother will
1: do for their child. Exactly. Well, and, I mean, that's what's what's weird about this is, yes, she is doing this for John Connor, <laughs> but she's also doing this because of who her son will be. Well, of course. You know, that's the weird thing that's about right. this is that she's not, I have to protect my son. No, no, she's going, that. I have to protect the world. Right. My son is the world. There will be no future unless I can not just protect him, but train him to be a thing. Yeah. That and that's what, and it's really interesting to where this goes in terms of their relationship. And because here's the thing about Sarah Connor they believe that she's crazy for believing a bunch of stuff that we know is true, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that Sarah Connor doesn't have problems. You know, she is a messed up person, well, sure, um, who is dealing with a lot of stuff. She's not delusional in the way that the Dr. Silberman thinks she is. Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot going on.
2: Well, this thing came back from the future, impregnated her, and died. Yeah. And then told her... Don't call Kyle a thing. Well, (laughs) listen. (laughs) Listen, I'm just saying. (laughs) Kyle came back from the future, impregnated her. Her mind probably has thought about all the ramifications of that for years. Dies and leaves her with the child. And we don't know for sure if what he said is actually (laughs)
1: 1,000% true. Even though she saw the Terminator... She does not well, know necessarily. Here's the other thing, and this is something we'll have to talk about at least a little bit until my head hurts because I have had a drink or two, and it might be hard. But the thing that Kyle told her was true might not be true anymore because mm. the future is not the same, right? Or we don't know. Like, did the John Connor who sent Kyle? Yeah. Did he also send that ter- the 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 good Terminator, or is that? future wiped out and we're now in a different future. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the and this is where you get into like, are we in Star Trek time travel rules? Back to the future time travel right, rules. Right, Terminator right. time travel rules. Terminator time travel rules says there's no fate but what we create. Any change they make in the what we see as the present yeah is in fact changing the future. Right. So that you know, when Oprah Simpson goes back and steps on a bug, it means that it's rains donuts in the future. That's what's <laughs> happening in this Terminator
0: rule.
1: Um, Good connection. Uh, and Michael Bean actually shot a cameo. I know,
3: yeah. You, you know about that? Yeah. Yeah, he uh it, it I guess it would have been Would have been after in- she got drugged up with a Right. Yeah. Yeah, he comes in and is basically saying, you know, you have to you have to protect him, you have to protect him. Wow.
1: So, I watched some of the stuff that's for like some special edition release that got and like a lot of these they're all terrible. I'm so glad all these scenes are not in the movie. Oh, yeah. That one's completely unnecessary, and I'm glad it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this is what John is thinking about right now, which is he goes, oh, mom's actually in this hospital. We got to get her out. Negative. The T-1000's highest probability for success now will be to copy Sarah Khan and to wait for you to make contact with her.
0: Great. What happens to her?
1: Typically, the subject being copied is terminated. And that was the wrong thing to say, because now he definitely wants to go get her. Yeah, he flips out on him. And when Arnold's saying, no, we're not going to go, what is his technique? He calls to some big guys nearby and says, I'm being kidnapped. Help, get this psycho off me. Let me go. <laughs> and when he says, let me go, what does Arnold do? He, he drops him. Yeah. lets him go. And I said, well, why did you do that? Because you told me to.
3: <laughs>
1: huh. Huh. You have to do what I say. You have to do what I say. Stand on one leg. Yeah. Which he does. (laughs) His reaction is great. Cool, my own Terminator. (laughs) And that's when these two guys come up. Yeah. These poor guys. Horrible. Just just trying to help. (laughs) Help some poor kid. Yeah. And John Connor just turns on him. And, of course, jerky John
3: Connor turns on him.
1: Says, get him or whatever. No, he, he says, you are right, kid.
3: He's oh. like, like, mind your own business, you jock douchebag. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> He's such a jerk, that John Cone.
1: <laughs> and then they ca- Yeah, that's right, because he, he um he calls him a dipshit. <laughs> yeah. And he says,
3: Did you call moi a dipshit? He's trying to help this punk. Grab this guy. I can't believe he called me a dipshit. Ah! And also Arnold has his leg up the he's whole still, time because yeah. yeah, he has yeah, yeah, to yeah. stand on one leg, and yeah. then he's like, "Put your leg down."
1: Well, <laughs> this is what's so fun. The, the tonal sh- it's like the tonal shift from Alien to Aliens is you go from horror movie to action adventure movie, right? And Terminator the same thing. Terminator is a horror. Not, it's a it's a thriller, scary movie. Mm-hmm. This movie's really funny. Yeah, and the Arnold John Connor scenes are really funny. <laughs> yeah. And now he says, Get him. And he wipes these guys out, pulls out his gun. And suddenly John's going, No, 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 no. What are you doing?
0: Jesus, you're going to kill that guy. Of course. I'm a Terminator.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfectly logical. Yeah. And this is where he first tries to convince him, You're not going to kill anyone. You just don't go killing people. And Arnold's response is, Why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he says, I order you not to kill anybody, and you're going to go help me find my mom. Uh, and the Terminator agrees. And now we have a pet Terminator. Yeah. We're back at Pescadero. The cop has pulled up. Sarah's in restraints. There is a very nice, sensitive, orderly that bends over, it licks her face. Oh. It's so gross. nasty.
3: So gross.
1: And she's comatose. Yeah. And he goes out into a beautifully lit, monotone hallway. The cinematography in this, I forgot to write down the, the name of the DP, but it looks great. Yeah. This, and this whole environment that's this sort of blue, white light and grays is just really, really well shot. And Sarah spits out that paperclip and she starts picking the ro- locks. Which she learned how to really pick locks with yeah. paperclips for oh. the film.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. She actually, when you see her picking the lock in the film, that is her actually picking a lock. Wow. She's not faking it.
1: We got a lot of stuff happening now because we have her picking the locks. We have the T-1000 coming into the space. He asked for uh, if you have a Sarah Connor from the, the duty nurse. Right. Um, and she's going to buzz him in. And the doctors or cops are coming out. And he has pulled a Batman and disappeared. Um, and now we see this re- very recognizable, heavy, red-headed cop with a mustache. Yeah, Actually, the dad of John Connor's best friend, I think. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, by the way, that guy, those guys are the, he, he has a twin. They always work together. Um, and he goes and and checks all the locks. He goes off and does some rounds, steps on this nice black and white tile floor, (laughs) and then a face appears in the floor. Oh,
2: so cool. And then his reaction when he's face to face with his own apparition, in essence, and drops the coffee and everything. like his just was reaction to all of it is fantastic. He was it's so great.
3: thrilled about getting what the full house on that in that cup of coffee. On the cup of coffee, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Must
2: That's be a right. lucky day. That's right.
1: <laughs> um, and our cop drives, drags the body in the storage uh, storage room, takes the gun. Uh, Sarah's still working on the lock, and our friend, the orderly, uh, is checking around, and he sees he sees a, a broken mop handle. Looks around and Sarah comes out of nowhere and just a shot right in the nose. Uh knocks him out. And I feel she gives him a couple of extra shots for good measure. I don't think he licked her
2: on the face.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's extra at all. (laughs) I think it's appropriate response. I, a hundred percent agree. Totally appropriate. I didn't think she took it light on him. (laughs) And, And and what and Sarah Connor, the difference between the Sarah Connor, we see her in her she has learned the skills. Yeah. She is awesome in this sequence. Um because she drags him in the room, she takes the keys, uh, and we see that the redheaded guard is coming, which we know, of course, is the T-1000, and there's a doctor and orderly talking, and Sarah runs up, tosses him the keys, takes that tonfa right into his belly, and breaks the doc's arms, shot to the knee. I mean, she is wiping these people out. Uh, And his line, I love his line. He goes, you broke my arm, and she says,
0: There are 215 bones in the human body. That's one. Now don't move.
1: Yeah. Uh, and what's her choice? Is she grabs a hypo, sticks it into some like liquid plumber or something, mm-hmm. and draws out a bunch of blue liquid? And just as this is all happening, so we got Sarah who's just escaped. She's just taking some people hostage. We have the T one thousand who's killed the this guy and is impersonating him, looking for Sarah. And just as this is happening, we have Arnold and we have John Connor pulling up just outside, and he says, "Now promise you won't kill anyone. Mm. Swear." <laughs> I love this. Like, what does "swear" mean to a to a Terminator? Right. But he puts his hands up and says, "I swear, I will not kill anyone." Uh, and then they pull up to the guard, who says, "Visiting hours are one to four. and he shoots him in both legs. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? He'll live.
3: <laughs> That's such a such a funny but character
1: appropriate yeah. line. Yeah, and, and they come. And now Sarah comes up to another security guard and a bunch more orderlies with Silberman with that hypo to his neck, and she wants to get through.
0: Let's all try to remain calm. Open it or he'll be dead before he hits the floor. There's no way, Connor. Let him go. Open the door. It ain't gonna happen.
2: I like the female guard in this. Yeah, How she me too. takes control of the situation. Yeah. Sarah, now you can tell... and what This actress must have done really like a lot of homework because you can tell this is a previous relationship. Like yep. they've... Nope. They've developed a friendship, while because the, the way she speaks to Sarah is familiar, but still doing her job.
3: Well, and she has a cast on her arm, right? That very
2: yeah, well Sarah from, could have, right? Oh, could have been yeah. responsible for yeah. it. Very good point.
1: Um, they they managed to get through the door and, um. Someone tries to, another guard comes behind the guard. He grabs her. She takes him out. And now we have the alarm going off. And the T-1000 hears the alarm. And Sarah is running. She gets through one door, locks it. She goes through a gate with big bars. She locks it, breaks the key off in it. Um, she's sprinting down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Nowhere to go. Elevator door opens. There's Arnold coming around the corner. <gasps>
2: You can be prepped all you want for something. When it finally shows up, it's not going to show up in the time that you think, and will you be able to handle it? And you can tell for all Sarah's bravado and strength, in that moment, seeing this apparition in essence again, and her like sliding down to the ground, screaming instead of fighting it, and going, no, no, and just having to run away because she has come face to face with the thing she most fears, and it, it is not at a time when she's prepared for it. And it's like, it's the reaction to it is, is brilliant. It's Linda so Hamilton. authentic.
3: She's a great
2: actress. Yeah. like yeah, I like agree.
3: She, the, the moment of abject fear yes. in her face <gasps> is, yes, yeah. so and
1: the palpable. physicality of the moment, the way she drops to the floor. Yes, the scurrying. Yeah. It's scurrying so great. Well, and the reality is, what the fuck is she supposed exactly, to do? Exactly. She doesn't have a howitzer. Right. Like what a, you know, she she dropped. She didn't even have the hypo with the with the yeah. uh rotor rooter anymore. Yeah. Um and what happens right after is she's screaming is John Connor comes around. Come on, wait! Right at that moment, a guard takes out Sarah and there's a really great stunt. And John says to Arnold, help her. And he does. Yeah. And he just comes in and wipes them out. It throws around these guys like they're nothing. And then this guard that you were talking about, I love, she gets a good elbow on him, knocks his glasses askew. Yeah. And the Arnold look Yeah, is so great. Uh, and then he just face pushes her across right. the room. Because that's because good,
2: he he wasn't gonna hit her. Right. And I like that he just pushes her down, right? Because yep. he doesn't punch her or punch her, you know. She was defending herself.
1: And what is Arnold's line? Come with me if you want to live. Oh my god. Such a great That's line. great. That's that's a, just a great great moment. Right. And John explains that she's here to he's here to help and she takes his hand. She does. I'm surprised that Sarah Connor can adjust that quickly to that moment. And what happens just as she takes Arnold's hand and starts to get up? Here comes the T-1000. Isn't
2: the doctor in between it's found himself in between them at this point?
3: Yes. Yes, because the T-1000 morphs through the bars yep and right that's when silberman like he has the the cap to the needle yeah right. and you just see the cap fall out of mouth. Yeah. Right
1: <laughs> i really wish we could revisit silberman and just have him go oh i guess there were androids coming from the future <laughs> Listen, so, you know
2: i tried to pitch the silberman diaries to fox before <laughs> the they would not do it there's so much about that guy we could discover
3: what what a great short it would be to right? have him that day yeah yeah <laughs>
1: I, I was wrong i i I'm. So, I'm really. I feel bad. I, I, why are you listening? It just seems him? silly. <laughs> I mean, the time travel and it's like, come on, that doesn't make it.
3: I just want to see him walk walk out of that hallway. Go to the time clock. Punch out. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Uh, By the way, just again with the sound, is the sound of the T-1000 going through those bars, because sound is weird. Like, you go like, well, what does that sound like? And after experimenting with, you know, hundreds of sounds, it is the sound of wet dog food coming out of a can. Oh, Interesting. That is the sound. And I love, by the way, the detail of the gun getting stuck as he comes through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just great. Great multiple shotgun blasts while he's still running forward. Mm-hmm. And then he shoots Arnold multiple times in the back as Ar- as they're running away and they get into the elevator where John and Sarah take cover. And then that metal spike comes through the doors of the elevator um, and he can just pulls it open and then that shotgun blasts right to the head. <laughs> they do these effects really well, going from practical effects into the computer effects mm-hmm. and back, they do them really, really well.
2: Plus, every single interaction he has shows you how... how- how much of a badass this Terminator is, but also how vulnerable it can possibly be because it can have
3: these situations like split in half
2: and then slowly eventually come back together. All right. these other things that can happen to it. It's fascinating to watch that happen through yeah. the movie.
3: And for all of the sequences that Robert Patrick and Arnold Schwarzenegger are in together, there is not a single line of dialogue oh. exchanged.
1: Oh, wow. Until the
3: Until the very end. Wow.
1: They get managed to get the doors closed. They're going down in the elevator. And just as we're asking what the fuck is going on, uh, the T-1000 jumps on top of the elevator car mm. and spikes come down through with Arnold firing at the roof. And Sarah Connor she right away grabs a gun and starts firing up. Yep. Uh, but then she takes a hit in the back and she goes down. Um, and John hands her a clip. I mean, this is where you see, like, I, I really like this piece of the filmmaking because they go, this is the result of the training. Yep. Like, This is how they know what they're doing. Yep. They manage to get out of the elevator. They get into a cop car. And in the elevator, we see a big pool of metal come down mm. and go plop that, again, morphs into Robert Patrick as the cop. And he comes after them as they're going in reverse. And he's running right towards them. I, I dated a girl. It was
3: like, ah, like 2002. And I ended up breaking up with her. <laughs> and I had this moment as I was trying to leave her apartment, which she would not. She physically blocked the door. I was like, ah, what am I going to wow, do here? Wow. This, this, this is leading someplace. Did you
1: morph like through the door or something? No,
3: no. I did the lean up against the wall. Like did I you, was really dramatically thinking about something. And then she finally moved and I snuck out. But then she, <laughs> she kind of ran after me. And What, and, were, you do, what were you doing what, to this woman? What? I, I was, like, how I was she blocking you from leaving? She was bigger than me. Does she know you? Yeah Okay Yeah we were we were dating She was trying to keep you? I was I had broken up with her And she would not let me Leave the apartment Is that what really happened? This this absolutely happened Steve there's two sides To every
1: story This absolutely happened <laughs> Yeah so one of them's the truth but Yeah you know, right you I don't know, know which outdoor, one to believe
3: uh, apartment complexes When you're like on the Second or third floor You had those landings In between sure, floors sure. So she went onto the Landing between the Third and second floor And there was sort of A cut out Like they would look out Onto the parking lot And as I'm hurriedly Getting to my car I hear this moaning And I look up And she's kind of there and I'm like, oh, my God. So I had this moment. I had this fear that I'm going to get my car going, and then I'm going to look in the back, and she's going to be Robert patrick me. Right. Uh-huh. And she's going to be, bah, 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 like, won't, won't let me leave. That isn't what happened. But right. Thank God. This, you can cut this out, Steve.
2: Uh, it <laughs> no, was in I'm play, not. is what you're saying.
1: No, I'm not. This is in. Because uh, Robert Patrick is running after the car. By the way, I love the way he runs. Yep. Yes. He, his whole running style is great. And we have this same thing in the car where Sarah Connor fires. She's out. She hands back to John to reload. Uh um Terminator's shotgun is out. He hands back to John to reload. They keep firing. I love too that we have the big impact uh things on Robert Patrick's chest. Yeah. And we have the little ones from the, you know, the shotgun and the handgun. Um there's some great driving stunts that are going on. Um, you know, he he runs up, catches the bumper with his hooks. Um john hands uh, arnold the shotgun he arnold tells sarah to drive and he goes out the window opens fire and he knocks the t-1000 off the car who rolls back and then i love the moment where john connor looks down and there's just that little piece of the metal on there and he throws it away and the metal is on the ground and the t-1000 is walking up his foot steps right next to the metal and it morphs into his foot and rejoins him that's cool
2: Another thing I like about this sequence is when he gets knocked off the car, you hear the metal rolling. Yeah. As he's rolling, you hear the metal hitting the, hitting really the asphalt. Just brilliant. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Brilliantly smart to to make it feel that way. After we're driving uh, in the dark with no headlights, and there's a moment where John Connor says, can you see anything? I see everything. And we have the Terminator vision. Sarah kind of is staring at the Terminator. And then she turns, and it looks like she's going to hug John. Mm. But she's not going to hug John. She's checking to see if he's hit. Yep. Which again is Kyle turning to him, her, and saying, "Are you hit? Are you shot?" Oh yeah, yeah. Um. And it's such a. And and I think this moment (laughs) of he thinks it's a hug, and she thinks, and and she's not hugging him. Is so. This is their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Is that he wants the love and the mother, and it's and all, all she says to him is,
0: "It was stupid of you to go there." Damn it, you have to be smarter than that. You almost got yourself killed. You cannot risk yourself even for
3: me. Do you understand? You're too important.
1: Uh, I think in this moment, Edward Furlong's reaction is really good. Yeah.
3: I had to get you out of that place. I'm sorry.
1: Those two lines going together, hey, hi there, I just saved your life. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's a weird combination.
3: Hmm. And her reaction, I can take care of myself. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's very cold. Yeah. Yeah. Very cold. Um, and, of course, John starts to cry, and Arnold asks what's wrong with his eyes. Which you would think a Terminator would know. He knows a lot of other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Sarah asks, so what's your story? And one of the things this movie does really well is it really knows when to cut. And and at this point, we cut back to the the mental health place, and, yeah. and a motorcycle cop rolls up, to the T-1000, asks if he's okay, and he says, fine.
0: Say, that's a nice bike.
1: That's a nice bike. And again, cut. <laughs> like, that's how that's how you cut out of a scene. Oh, yeah. We know everything we need to know, and now we're gone. Uh, we pull into a gas station. They break the lock. They roll into a garage. Arnold is stitching up Sarah's wound. John asks if he knows what he's doing, and he has detailed files on human anatomy, <laughs> to which Sarah responds, makes you a more efficient killer, right? Correct. And then we have, you know, some scene where we talk about how long can he live and does it get hurt when he's shot? Um, and then the next question is, can he learn? Uh, and, of course, at this point, now he he sewed up Sarah's back. Now she's pulling bullets out of his back. Right. And this can you learn thing is another place where one of those big scenes was cut. Oh, this is the Linda Hamilton twin, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Originally, there's a whole scene about his something has to be done on the chip, and they have to remove the chip from his head in order to make it possible for him to learn. And they set up this crazy shot where you see Linda Hamilton in the mirror, and you see Arnold, and you also see the head that's been opened up. And it's like, well, how can you do this and actually open up Arnold's head? And it's not a mirror. It's a window. And it's a twin on one side and not on the other side. And it's extreme. And they have to mirror each other's movements perfectly to make the mirror effect work and it's really really hard and they cut the whole thing out thank god because it's terrible it's a horrible awful useless meaningless scene fair enough it's one of those things where you as a writer think i have to explain this thing and the reality is you don't yeah he says can you learn and arnold says yes And then you don't have to do this whole ridiculous bad scene. Point. Point. Um, later in the middle of the night, Sarah is watching Arnold and he and she's smoking a cigarette. He's standing there kind of keeping guard, looking out into the dark. Yeah. And then it's light. And you know that he's been there all night, which yeah. I think is really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they steal a station wagon. And Arnold does what we saw him do in the first movie, which is he rips off the steering col- column to heartwire the car. Mm-hmm. And as he does that, John pulls down the visor, Notice shows the him the keys. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And can we talk about the Terminator's bad luck with picking automobiles and the T-1000's incredible luck? Yeah, that is a great point.
1: <laughs> Particularly when we get to the end. Yes. Um, and we're heading south to get as far away from the city as possible. And he's going really fast. And they say, no, no, you got to keep it under 65. And he says, affirmative. Mm-hmm. John doesn't like that. No, 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 no. You've got to listen to the way people talk. You don't say affirmative. Or some shit like that. You say,
3: no problema. And if someone comes off to you with an attitude, you say, eat me. And if you want to shine them on, it's hasta la vista, baby.
1: Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> you gotta give him English lessons. And I love the John Connor. These words are no problemo, eat <laughs> me, and hasta la vista, baby, yeah. <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And you can also, also chill use, out, dickwad. Yeah, you yeah. can use combinations. Yeah. Chill yeah. out, dickwad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, but but the thing is, this is the, is that Arnold, as we saw in Twins and Kindergarten Cop, he's really funny. Oh, yeah. And so when you get to... That's great. See, you're getting it.
0: No problemo.
1: It's really funny. Um, we saw for some food and Sarah is eating and she is non-responsive and she's watching some kids who are playing with guns yeah it's a nice scene john tries to give her some fries yeah no response yeah and then finally she you know there's just sort of we're not going to make it are we and arnold's response is it's in your nature to destroy yourselves that's so great yeah and that's when sarah wants to know how exactly does it happen and, she, and Arnold starts to tell her and that the main person is Miles Dyson at yeah. Cyberdyne systems and that in a few months he creates a revolutionary kind of microprocessor. And he goes through the whole thing and tells him exactly what's going to happen, how Skynet starts to learn, what happens when it takes over the military system, yeah. you know, and what – at what point it decides to – you know, that humans are a threat and what point the humans try to – Pull the plug, and that it launches missiles at Russia, and mm-hmm. he knows exactly why what's going to happen is going to happen. This is when they're with Enrique, right? It's right on the way to Enrique. Okay. Yeah, because right then we pull up to this location that has, like, rattlesnake heads on the wall, and it's at some dusty old compound with an old helicopter and some burnt-out cars, and yeah. Sarah tells him to wait in the car, and then she starts calling out for Enrique.
0: Enrique! it's aquí!
1: And he comes out with a gun, and Arnold's got a gun, and she's got a gun, and then he lowers it, and this is clearly one of the people that they stayed with. Yeah. Oh, I, I love, by the way, that John introduces Arnold as Uncle Bob. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Enrique has some tequila, offers it to Arnold. No response. <laughs> Sarah's happy with the tequila. <laughs> and and Arnold looks down at John and says, Uncle Bob? <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah's right to business she wants her stuff and one of his trucks to which he responds
2: hey how about the feelings out of my fucking teeth now
3: Enrique
1: you two you're on weapons detail come on let's go and they go over and they pull up a chain revealing a trap door that pulls up under the sand and they go down to this bunker there's a lot of guns wow arsenal A whole arsenal is sitting there, and John's line is One thing about my mom, she always plans ahead.
3: <laughs> that's when Arnold picks up the Gatling gun, and you see that slight smile, yeah,
1: for the first time. It's that's awesome. Um, there there is a, one of the other cut scenes is a whole scene about him trying to teach Arnold to smile. <laughs> yeah, it's a,
3: <laughs> good cut,
1: yeah, good, good cut, Cameron. Jesus Christ, Cameron. Um, and then John talks about how Mom always screwed things up. There were these men in the, the, her life. Sometimes he liked them, and some in one. Of the, I think that he liked in particular. And then she'll inevitably start talking about the end of the world, and that's it for the relationship. Well, um, I dated a girl once. <laughs> uh, was she haunted by
2: visions of a future where no? But she believed that people lived on in the center of the earth. She legitimately.
0: Believed oh, this. I remember this girl.
2: Yes. <laughs> Steve, have you heard this story? I think so. Yes. She believes that there are people who live in the center. She legitimately believes that, and she believes the moon is a ship. And she's a very well-adjusted young <laughs> young woman, successful business, and she legitimately believes it. And there are people who believe this. Probably some people believing, listening to us right now fervently believe that there are people who live in the center of the earth and that the moon is a ship and that there are humans on the moon, in the moon, rather, because it's a ship.
3: Okay. Yeah. I, uh... So... It is, in fact, not... A, it, it's no moon. It's a space station. It's a space
2: station. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, people believe crazy things, man. That's all I'm saying. Well, Sarah's are correct. Right. <laughs> to us, or to, to those of us who know the other story, but to these people talking, or
1: they, she must seem wildly insane. I, I'm sure. And then he says that he would see her crying...
3: She denies it totally, of course, like she got something stuck in her eye.
1: Why do you cry?
3: You mean
0: people? Yeah.
1: I don't know. We just cry. And he says, well, I don't know. We just cry when it hurts. And Arnold asks, pain causes it? And then John says, "Uh, no, it's different. It's when there's nothing wrong with you, but you're hurt anyways. Now, I don't think that's a good explanation of why people cry. Hmm. It's when there's nothing wrong with you and you hurt anyway. I don't actually I think people cry for a lot of different reasons. Sure.
3: Yeah, but um, this is also coming from a sure not normally developed
1: uh, 12-year-old. Yes, but right. this is going to make sense to a machine in about 45 minutes. So the explanation <laughs> penetrated on some level. Oh, and I should say that this whole time they've been fixing the truck and it's a really nice scene. Right. Like them underneath having this conversation that somehow John is bonded with this machine and the machine is bonding with John. Right. It's really sweet. Um and it's also this thing we're watching and I kind of go, oh this is the the cheese that's yep. kind of pushing me away. It's like pulling me in and pushing me away at the same time. Yeah. And it leads into a great uh, Sarah Connor voiceover. Um yes. Um well cuz she sees them and he's taught him how to do like give me 5. Yeah. And then does the too slow. <laughs> and yes, and Sarah Connor's voiceover is
0: watching John with the machine. It was suddenly so clear. The Terminator would never stop. It would never leave him, never shout at him or get drunk and hit him, or say it was too busy to spend time with him. It would always be there, and it would die to protect him. Of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, this thing, this machine, was the only one who measured up.
1: Wow. What's weird, it is weird to me that she's adjusted so quickly to the Demon of her nightmare being the perfect protector for her son, she just like it's instant. Huh. I, it's weird to me. I think the scene is great, yeah, but it's weird to me. Okay. Oh, and the, it ends with in an insane world, it was the sanest choice. Yeah, they could have cut that line.
3: I mean, <laughs> I, I yeah. think, I think the the it was a stronger out with the line before.
1: Huh. Yeah. And what she's doing is she's carving something into a table with a big knife, a wooden table, and we don't see what it is. And we hear dogs barking, and she looks sad, and she lays her head down, and she closes her eyes, and we enter the dream. Yeah. This is an amazing scene. Mm-hmm. Not the least amazing thing about it is we are sitting right now in my house. Yeah. And when I bought the ho- we bought the house, we didn't know that there's a park right over there, Elysian Park. And that it ended up we would go walk our dog in the park. Right. And there's a trail in the park that goes to a hill that's covered in grass that has a beautiful view of downtown L.A. And that's where they shot it. Oh wow. And I didn't know. Uh, I had no idea where it is. It's like there's no playground there. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it literally is a 15-minute walk from where we're sitting right now. Wow. wow. Um, and we look at Sarah Connor in her kind of military garb. Uh, Walks up to a fence, and there's children in a playground, and downtown is in the distance. Yeah. And what's so interesting is there again. It's beautiful sound design where we can hear her touching the fence, and she says no, but we cannot hear her voice. Yeah. Um. And and then we see Sarah Connor, which is her twin, in a pink dress with a little kid, and she screams and she grabs the fence, and then there is a flash. And Sarah and everyone else catches on fire. Yeah. And we see the blast spread out in Los Angeles. And I think it's uh, called air mortars. They built massive, massive, massive models of Los Angeles and freeways and buildings and cars and all these things. And then they just destroy them with this air mortar. It is amazing looking. Agreed. Oh, um and the buildings are exploding and buses are exploding and the bodies at the playground explode like leaves and Sarah is holding on on fire and then the blast just basically rips her skin off mm-hmm. and then it's just a skeleton holding on to there yeah. and screaming and then she wakes up.
3: And the cons- uh, allegedly the consultants that they talked to about like what would this type of blast look like, they, the final product they said, that is the closest depiction at the time of what a nuclear blast with how strong the weapons
1: are now right, or were then. It is totally terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it is a brilliant, brilliant bit of filmmaking. Um, mm-hmm. And she looks at the families and the kids around her. And she looks at the table where now we see what she's written, which is no fate. And she drives her knife into the table. And she gets in her station wagon and she drives away as John yells. Mom! Yes, Mom! Mom! Wait. And I think we all know what she's going to do. And then, of course, we hear John say that this was something that uh, his father made him me- made her memorize. The future is not set. There is no fate but what we make for ourselves. And this is where we get into, <laughs> like, okay, what has happened? Yeah. Like, one of the things that I wor- – so in this timeline – the Terminator is destroyed at a factory. They discover the chip. And that's what leads Skynet, Miles Dyson, to figure out how to make Skynet. Right. Before, in the in the version before, is that what has always happened? In other words, are we in a loop where the Terminator permanently is going back and that's what inspires Miles Dyson? Or is there a version of Skynet that was not created based on a Terminator chip? Because if every time you go through it changes the destiny. Yeah. And I don't know that I can spend that much time talking about this because it just makes my head hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is it now, is every time this is, is everything different? Is the John Connor that sent back Kyle, the same John Connor that sent back the good Arnold? Mm -hmm. Well, did they have the same experiences? Yeah, I would say so. But then there always has to be a Terminator because Sarah never trains John Connor to be a military leader unless she's experienced Kyle and the Terminator. Right. I don't know where to go with this exactly. Yeah, it's uh, a conundrum. Yeah, it's (laughs) cyclical. (laughs) And, of course, after Sarah drives away, it doesn't take John long to figure out where she's going to go is that she's trying to stop it. And 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 that she's going off to kill Miles Dyson. And Arnold's response is that might be good. It might stop the war. And he says, "Haven't you realized why you can't kill people? <laughs> why would you expect the Terminator <laughs> to come up with yeah. why you would not be able to kill people?" It's in my name, man. <laughs> it's like it's the title of the movie. Yeah. And we're at Miles Dyson's house. He has a really nice house.
0: Yeah. Of course.
1: And seems to have a very nice family and he's got a wife, and he's got a kid that's got some remote control truck. That is a really cool shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is leading the remote control truck as it jumps off the steps and Joe Morton is sitting there working at his computer and there's a red dot in his back.
3: And Danny the boy who mom is saying go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. Had he gone to bed. Mm.
1: Oh yeah, good point.
3: Miles would have uh, expired.
1: Yeah. Yeah would have saved the world yeah (laughs) actually probably not because they still have the chip in the hand that's true um uh yeah so so he managed to get out of the way the shot hits the computer and um and then she just opens fire on full auto um and miles is screaming and computers are exploding and he's yelling at danny to go away and the wife is freaking out um and in comes sarah looking like a terminator yeah looking Um, like a a badass, a badass, ripped arms, sleeveless, mm. you no know, yeah. military vest, and uh, she shoots Miles in the shoulder, and he goes down. And what does the kid do?
0: Don't hurt my daddy.
1: Oh, yeah. She can't do the. And she can't pull the trigger, and she can't do it. She's uh-huh. close. Uh huh. She is really close to doing it, and then she does the. You know, and and it's funny. She says, "Shut up!
0: It's all your fault. Motherfucker, it's all your fault."
1: And she looks at this man crying and his family, and she slowly softens and backs away and slides down that wall.
2: I love that moment, man. Because if you remember Sarah Connor from the first movie, you know, she's just a waitress, man. She's just a regular person yeah. living her life. She's a nobody going to just live in her life. She's not trying to do anything or have dreams. Like She just is what she is. Yeah. In the situation, she's got a roommate that irritates her, but she still loves her as a friend she had no idea what was coming right. for her. And so she so course-corrected extremely the other way that she lost this part of herself in order to adapt to this survivor mentality and to raise John. Mm-hmm. In that moment, when she can't... she I think when she falls against the wall, I, and I, I don't know Linda Hamilton, I don't know her process, but it feels to me like, as an actor, she has created this inner life that in that moment she realizes how far she's come away from who she was and what she was just about to do because she's changed herself so much. And in that moment, she realizes who she really is and is almost like heartbroken at how far she's gone.
1: I 100% agree. That you is know? exactly what I feel like is happening yeah, in this moment. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing, which is that the cold-hearted Terminator is correct. Mm-hmm. Is You should kill this guy. I mean, you can't, you know, the balance between one person and three billion people, you know, the needs of the many to mix our sci-fi metaphors. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, And that's exactly who comes in right now because John and Arnold show up and John is kind of take charge. He tells Mm. that Arnold to go check out the people Mm. and he goes to mom and he does. It's the same thing. Are you hurt? Yeah. And they hug and she cries and he says, it'll be okay. We'll figure something out. He's comforting her. And this is where it starts to dawn on her. She says, you came here to stop me. And then she breaks down. I love you, John. I always have. I know. This is the resolution of the problem that was established in the car earlier. Yeah. Where she didn't hug him. Where she just said, you shouldn't have come for me. Right. Now she says, finally, I love you. Yeah. Because she's gotten back
2: in touch with who she
1: is. And Arnold's treating the wound, and then the Dyson family looks up and goes, who are you people? (laughs) And I feel their way of demonstrating who they are is a little extreme.
3: Well, you know, yeah. Well, you were on a time crunch. Sure. It would have taken less time to cut off the the
1: skin of your thumb. Or maybe say, hey, uh, I'm a Terminator, you know. really...
3: (laughs) You really
2: want to get to the point as quickly as possible. It is, is and I feel like showing all this is an extreme thing, but extreme that gets the point across.
3: Yeah, and also on the same page. If he doesn't cut the skin off from the, you know, from the forearm down, you don't have that match with the. Exactly
1: what it is. (laughs) Right. I mean, you kind of go like. Isn't your whole point that you're looking like a human? Like, why would you get rid of what? a whole? But it is very dramatic. He cuts, pulls the skin off his arm, reveals that Terminator's you know, skeletal hand. Great Stan Winston effects yeah. there. Yeah. And by the way, Arnold's arm looks fantastic before he before he cuts it. Yeah. Like he he pumped <laughs> right before. And then they they explain everything that happened. And we have, again, Sarah Connor's voiceover who says, it's not every day you find out you're responsible for three billion deaths. He took it pretty well. (laughs) And then he says, I feel like I'm going to throw up. (laughs) So, by the way, I I think I said recently on another podcast is that I rarely have felt like I I consciously stole something. Right. I didn't know that I had stolen this. So there's a line in The Assistance where they explain something, the whole plot to Stacey Keach. And uh, the voiceover says, three hours and five double bourbons later, we finished explaining the scheme to him. All in all,
3: I think he took it rather well. You're
1: crazy. And it's the exact same sort of the voiceover saying one thing and the expectation coming out the opposite. And I was like, I had no idea that that it is not the same lines, of course, but rhythmically, it's the same piece of kind of writing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know this is where I took it from.
3: Are you anticipating
1: a knock on the door one day? <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's hope that from this description, everyone will go on right now to iTunes and buy the <laughs> assistant, and it will make so much money that I will get that knock on the door. Oh, yeah. That is what I would like. Yeah. Uh, um,
2: Steve, this is James Cameron. I just uh, want
1: to speak to you. James, I will only meet you at the bottom of the ocean.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Unobtainium
1: <laughs>
2: so I just I'll never let that go till I die. It might be my the thing I scream before it is I the finally worst. die.
1: It 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 is among the worst it is so bad it's a joke you right. would it would be in a satire, you'd be a Saturday night live sketch. It would be. That's how terrible it is.
2: And also because it's insulting a man of such intelligence and such ability, such amazing creative ability. This is where you falter on something like this, something so innocuous like unobtainium yeah. for God's
3: sake. Why don't you name it after the planet? Yeah.
1: Pangium. Yeah. Pangium. <laughs> Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, first go around. All right, first pass. <laughs> we'll put a pin in it. And and I love Joe Morton's responses. You're judging me on things I haven't even done yet. That's a great. Yep. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. And he says, "How are we supposed to know?" And Sarah goes, off. She really does, man. It's a great monologue too.
0: Fucking men like you built the hydrogen bomb. Men like you thought it up so creative you don't know what it's like to really create something to create a life i feel it growing inside you all you know how to
1: create is death mom. and destruction mom
2: which is how i feel when i look at these robots that these scientists keep making
1: john how are we supposed to know yeah <laughs> i mean it's just a little rumba it's here to just clean my carpet there's like n-
2: <laughs> yeah there's like n- i don't own anything like electro- in that way that does that there's, yes.
1: You, are, you, are you Are you
2: really a... touching it? Literally, right now. <laughs> this doesn't move you're... around and, and talk to me unless not, I do something for it. But it, no,
1: it knows where you are. It knows where you're going. It, really it, does. it is predicting things about your That's needs. Fun. It's doing a it
2: Sully.
3: I don't know. It's doing it. That That is far That's more the dangerous, dangerous part than a
1: rumba.
2: <laughs> you say. Um. You and, got and, a shoelace but, caught in a rumba. It's not a good thing.
1: But the thing is, as Sarah's <laughs> starting to go off. I love the way John's reaction happens and the way he shuts her down. Yeah. Because it's obvious that this is what she does. Right. Like, this is the crazy. This is what has drove all those other guys away. Yeah. and Which he- this moment, uh,
3: they replicated in the Terminator 2 3D pre-show. Oh. Where they interrupt Kimberly Duncan's uh, spiel, her, oh, yeah. her her video. And Sarah starts talking about these you know these corporate pigs and this cutesy pie marketing. And John cuts her off. Yeah. And says, you know, attention, everyone. We're, we're part of the human resistance. This is a warning. Yeah, And need to get straight to business.
1: Interesting. Mm. Um, and again, the the Dyson family has accepted this very quickly. Yeah, and they just go, okay, well, we got to stop it. And then it's sort of, well, didn't we just stop it? I mean, we're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's not enough because we got to destroy everything at the lab. And Dyson is on board. Yeah, right away. He is such a hero character in this movie. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll just say to you, I know I said exactly this before, Joe Morton for very little time on screen is f- captivating in every moment yep. he's in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he's so good. And they decide, okay, we got to go to the chip and everything else that we're in the labs, we got to destroy it all. Um, and, and they ask about the chip and suddenly Dyson has the epiphany. Oh, it must be from the other one like you. <laughs> and Sarah's just Son- Bitch, I knew it. Lying motherfuckers. Um, And and I love this moment, too, where he he goes, oh, scary stuff. It didn't work, but it gave us ideas, things we would never have tried. And you see the gleam in his eye that he loved this work. Of course. Yeah.
2: But you never know where it's going to lead.
1: Right, Oppenheimer. Right, he
2: he split the atom. He didn't know it was going to lead to a, a nuclear bomb. No, Oppenheimer knew. That's what, what Oppenheimer got
1: hired for. Did he really? He knew it was going to lead to a nuclear bomb. That was what he. That was his whole job to build a nuclear bomb. Yes, he was in charge of the Manhattan Project, whose job was to build a nuclear bomb. Who who discovered who split the atom? He split the atom. No, uh, the first time it was done was Fermi in Chicago. Did Fermi think he was going to create a nuclear bomb? No, but he did it, not exactly knowing what was going to happen in the middle of Chicago, right. uh, fairly under control. But but the time Oppen- I read Oppenheimer about a really good biography on yeah? him, I don't have very good memory of it, so I can't give you that much. But okay. by the time Oppenheimer got hired, he was hired to do this. Okay, the science was somewhat well established that it was possible in the 30s, but to create a controlled explosion was what you know. Okay, him and all those guys were right. trying to. We're do. trying to do. Yeah. But the, the guy who split the atom didn't know it was going to lead to this. And that's what I'm getting at. No, even Einstein, it's based on Einstein's theory. Right. As soon as Einstein comes out with E equals MC squared, he knows that it could lead to that. Well ah. well, Yeah. He's a smart guy. Well, you know the quote from Einstein uh, after the uh, after the Manhattan Project, after the first atomic bomb, I should have been a watchmaker.
2: Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, oh Which is wow. in
1: Watchmen, by the way. It's in, that's where I know right. the quote from. Right. Um, Did you use that in the assistance? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? Watchmen is so influential on me I'm sure I used all sorts of stuff <laughs> uh, But we decide we're going to go destroy this thing And then we get some more voiceover on a, uh, while we're driving The future, always so
0: clear to me Had become like a black highway at night We were in uncharted territory now Making up history as we went along
1: I like that voiceover quite a bit, actually Um, There's a great shot as they're walking up to Cyberdyne Um, They go in with a key card They're going to talk to the security guard None of us think this is going to work No, (laughs) This is a terrible plan And the security guard says no you can't do this Three guns pop out right away Um, (laughs) And and we hear I insist (laughs) Uh, And John pulls out the duct tape Uh, We're up in the lab, and we hear about these two keys, and we got another guard who's looking for the first guard, and he opens up a door. There he is, all tied up. Oh, shit. And he hits the silent alarm. And that's when Dyson tries his key, and it doesn't work. And we realize the silent alarm's been tripped. Hey, if only there were someone that had some device (laughs) that was really good at figuring out codes. Oh, wait. It was back in Act 1. Yep. The (laughs) ATM. (laughs) Oh.
3: Nice. You would think that the security at a tech company like that would be slightly better,
1: yeah. Even just slightly different. <laughs> it doesn't actually have like exactly ATM stuff. Um, but no, this is fine. It's going to work. And he just tells them he'll open no problem, and they should go do some other stuff. And they head off to the lab. And the guard is on the phone, and he says, "You send everything you have right now." <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and he, Dyson tries to open another door. It doesn't work. And Arnold goes,
0: let me try mine.
1: Grenade launcher.
2: John,
0: fire in the hole!
1: That works. And there's beautiful, like, smoke coming, you know, gas coming down. And Arnold grabs some breathing masks. Um, and they're, they're in the mass, in the lab. And who pulls up to the Dyson's house... With beautiful fire reflected in his glasses, but the motorcycle cop T-1000. And he looks around, and fortunately, a radio message comes over right then about Cyberdyne Systems and Sarah Connor, and he knows where to go. And now the cops pull up, and the cops pull up, and more cops pull up, and SWAT pulls up, and a helicopter flies up. And John has just cracked the code, and he opens the door and grabs the key, says, Easy money, and then seize the helicopter. Yeah, And now we're setting up some explosives in the lab, which apparently we did very quickly. Where do the barrels come from? No idea. Good question. (laughs) I mean, those are like huge barrels of gasoline. Were they just sitting in the lab? They didn't have them when they came in. Yeah, you
3: imagine, yeah, that they didn't run back down to the car.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) And I do love John's line.
0: We got company.
1: Police. How many? All of them, I think. <laughs> That's a really funny line. Uh, to which Arnold's response is, I'll take care of the police. And John says, but wait, you swore. Yeah. And there's the close-up, and Arnold turns in a camera, and with a smile says, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> such a good, such a great Arnold moment. And then we have this battle with the police where he... He mows them down, Steve. He does. Without taking a single
2: life. Yeah. Much to Steve's chagrin. Because he likes it <laughs> when a <up>. Terminator <laughs> kills your all your the cops.
1: That's not what I meant. <laughs>
2: Flash wounds, this would, is bullshit.
1: I would like to take a moment to address all the law enforcement officers that are in the audience of the cinephiles and say that yes. I respect what you do. Absolutely. I have no desire to see any of you harmed in any way, and I offer a full retraction for any <laughs> statements I made which could be construed in a way that was negative towards your fine and honorable profession.
2: That's a incredible apology. I like that retraction. On the spot, <laughs> that's a really good attraction. Okay,
1: here's my question. Yeah, why does Arnold do this? What good did it do? Do you mean shooting the cops? Yes. Well, it keeps them off their First asses. Of all, cinematically, it's awesome. Right. Yeah, I they think they it weren't... pushes them back. It buys them time. Yeah. I don't think it buys them any time because they weren't doing anything. Like, if cops show up at a hostage situation, you don't or you don't know what's happening. They they weren't coming in yet. But the guy opens fire, and now the, all the SWAT is coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I'm not sure that this was necessary or useful. Okay. Like, he just escalated it into a battle, which all it was was some people broke into a lab. Right. And a, and a guard that said, send everybody, which I don't understand. What well, does it distract them from going after the people in the lab, and they focus on the Terminator? Well, he's at the lab. He's just he's on is the Isn't on a flo- different floor? I don't think when so. he's shooting the cops? No, I don't so. think so. Okay. I'm just saying... I, and this is the... He, I'm just going to put this... valid concern. This is the thing about movies. I am all... When I'm with my students, I spend a lot of time going, well, why does this character do this? And what does this happen? And what would the other characters do when this happened? And trying to make things make sense. Some things in great movies don't make sense. Of course. Because the moment of Arnold standing with the minigun within the shattered window, wiping out the cops, but not actually killing any of them, which isn't necessarily that believable, um, is awesome. Mm -hmm. And so... Who cares if it makes sense? It's awesome. But it doesn't make sense. John and uh, Dyson have turned their keys together. They go into the lab. They grab the chip. I love that Dyson's kind of giving him some instructions about how to grab the the hand, and he just knocks it off and breaks the glass. (laughs) And SWAT is moving in. They grab sort of their bags, and it's time to go. And uh, Arnold hands them a mask, says, take this because of the gas. And Miles... Hands to the detonator, and everything goes into slow motion. And the SWAT team comes in, opening fire, and Miles goes down. Uh! Uh! And there's this great moment where Sarah makes eye contact with Miles Dyson. Mm. And he's got the remote, and he clutches it, and they nod to each other, and we all know what this means. Mm. This is a great moment in the film. Yeah. Poor Dyson shot twice once by Sarah, and then once by the cops there. And all he was doing was innocently creating AI powerful yeah. enough to take over the world. <laughs> Poor
3: guy. But that's just, again, that's another testament to the acting
1: of Joe I Martin. totally yeah. agree. Yeah. And Sarah fires up in the air, and the cops are moving in, and there's glass everywhere, and she's pinned down. And it's actually kind of reminiscent of uh, Die Hard in the shoot mm. the glass scene, yeah. in sort of how it feels. Shit, he's in the clean room. There's no way out of there. And Arnold just comes right through the wall. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) And he pulls her out, and the SWAT team moves in, and they find Miles Dyson clutching that thing and breathing. And crying. That's so crazy. And his line.
0: I don't know how much longer I can hold this
1: and they all flip out
2: start running they
1: look and it's like get out yeah and again
3: testament to the SWAT guy's acting who's only it's only his eyes you can't see any of his face you see the
1: oh shit moment i understand what's happening here um and arnold and our heroes go into the elevator and joe morton's breathing (laughs) slows and slows and slows and stops That's amazing movie moment. That moment will always stay with me. Just... It might be my favorite moment in the whole movie. Wow! On some level, okay. it just let me put it a different point. There are more thrilling moments. There are more exciting That's moments. Your... There are more funny moments. That's the most moving moment. It's certainly me. a noble moment. Yeah, you know. And the explosion is quite large. Yeah. Yes,
3: very noticeable. You see the whole from the outside that entire floor yeah. just mm-hmm. the fireball,
1: and who pulls up just as the explosion happens is a motorcycle and yeah. the T one thousand. And now we see in his reflective glasses real the fire just burning off of that explosion. Yeah, It is a really great shot. Um, and they come out of the elevator. Of course, yes, SWAT does fire gas with these big gas launcher th- cannon thing, which I'm not sure that that's a real thing. Um, and unfortunately, they have to share a gas mask because Arnold didn't grab two. We had two earlier. Um, but they're sharing a gas mask, which is cool. Stay here. I'll be back. I'll be back. Ar- uh, Arnold line. Yeah. Always get those quips in. This is a very quippy movie. Yes. Um, Arnold's good at him. And he walks down into the smoke, and they open fire on him. And he's moving forward, and it's just shots of him getting just repeatedly hit. The bullets tinging off of his, yep. taking off the flesh. You're yep. just starting to see the metal underneath. It's great design. And this is, I think, some of this at least is an animatronic Arnold mm. that yeah. they could just fire at. And they, it's actually intercut really, really well. And he shoots a lot of guys in the legs. And then he gets that gas launcher and he like shoots guys with the gas launcher. Which <laughs> looks very painful. And the T-1000 is riding up the stairs and Arnold comes out of the front door and shoots gas at the cops and the cops are all gasping and scattering. And Arnold grabs a couple of gas masks. Gets in the truck, finds the keys under the visor because he can learn, and Sarah looks out and sees the truck bashing through the glass, and it spins towards them just for John and Sarah to get in. They get in the truck. They yell to Arnold to go, and the motorcycle is now up on the top floor and looks up just as a helicopter goes by, and this stunt is crazy. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Yep. The motorcycle drives out of the floor, the like third or fourth floor of the building into the helicopter and the T1000 morphs through the window of the helicopter turns in the cop turns to the guy the pilot and says, "Get out. Get, Get out." out. <laughs> it's amazing. I had some weird memory, but I couldn't f- confirm this anymore. My, maybe this was the rumor in 1991 that that stuntman got paid a million dollars to do this stunt or something crazy like that. Wow. I, I don't think that's actually true. I think yeah. that's something my 20-something-year-old mm-hmm. self believed because yeah, I, I don't, couldn't find it anywhere.
3: Yeah, I don't, I, I, I've never heard that. I can't say whether or not that's true.
1: Yeah. But. And now we're into a crazy chase. Helicopter chasing a truck. And Sarah's still trying to protect John. She puts him under some bulletproof vests. She sees the chopper coming. She sees that it's the T-1000. She opens fire. He fires at her. Um, He's getting hit. I mean, the stunt work in this sequence. Because this is a real helicopter chasing a truck.
3: Oh, yeah. When the helicopter goes under the overpass, insane. that that is real. And the camera crew refused to do it. It was Cameron who shot that. Really? Yep. Oh, that's
1: awesome. They would not do it. <laughs> well, I guess Cameron's gone to the bottom of the ocean. He uh. he is not lacking for guts. <laughs> Give me the camera. And then and even when the, the copter crashes into the back of the truck is absolutely crazy. And and uh yeah. Sarah gets hit, the chopper crashes, uh and collapses in fire, the truck blows a tire, it falls over, a tranker truck pulls up behind the chopper. I mean, this is like crazy, crazy huge stunt work. Mm from the a guy gets out of the tanker truck and runs up to the chopper going, "Oh my god, are you all right?" and he's immediately killed by the team. That's yeah, way
3: well, I didn't need to kill him.
1: And a truck driver gets out of a truck with like a what do you call that where there's like a house built on the back like of the, the cab? The, almost, the cab, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah a cab like, cover. It, it, and he goes up and goes, oh my God, are you guys okay? And of course, this is exactly what happens in Terminator, where the where they're being chased, where the truck crashes, and the Terminator gets up and pulls the guy out of the tanker truck right. and into Terminator yeah. before we head to a factory, which is exactly what's about to happen right oh. now. <laughs> I mean, it really parallels that's it. That's fascinating. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and of course, now we have... The tanker truck, which instead of being filled with gasoline, is filled with liquid nitrogen, yeah. uh, chasing <laughs> our heroes in a not very fast truck. <laughs> um, and this is really scary. I don't know how they did some of this. Like the hits from behind from the tanker truck hitting the truck are things I've seen a lot. But when the when it gets hit from the side and it's coming towards them and driving them towards the side of the road, yeah. the way they'll sh- – because it's our main actors in the vehicle at the time. I don't know how they did some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks really, really scary. And there's a moment where John's yelling, step on it. And Arnold's response is, this is the vehicle's top speed.
0: I can get out of road faster than this.
1: <laughs> um, it's great. Um, they try to take an off ramp and the tanker swerves over to it, it slams through those barrels to get to the off ramp. Um, lots of sparks as it hits the side. Arnold is firing back of it, asking John to drive. They're slamming through stuff. Arnold... Uh, has you know his grenade launcher, but he drops a grenade. They go through the fence into the steel factory. The tanker is sort of locked into the truck at this moment, and Arnold jumps onto the tanker, grabs the machine gun, opens fire at, at like zero point range at the T-1000, climbs in, grabs the wheel, pulls it to crash the tanker truck, and is on top of the, the liquid nitrogen tanker truck as it's sliding along the ground. It is a great, great action sequence. I don't know that I explained that very well. <laughs> this is one where it's sort of like made sense to me. Yeah, God, yeah, God, I'll watch it. I mean, seriously, if you haven't seen T two at this point, you you know, I you we might have to take back your cinephile card. Wow, yeah. easy, Steve. Okay, fair.
2: He's been drinking. I'm so I'm sorry for this. I'm is what happened. Yeah, but very if you
1: haven't seen it,
3: adamant. can you imagine what a rare treat it would be to take that movie in for the first time? People, people have
2: listened to our show multiple times and then watched the movie for the first time. It's a fascinating thing I would never, I don't understand. People listen to us, break down a movie, and then they go, okay, now I'm going to watch it for the first
1: time. Well, ever. when you compare the dulcet tones of our voices <laughs> to a $100 million uh, movie extravaganza, sure. you know, what do you want? Right. <laughs> we're, we're sitting in my living room with, you know, what's the budget on this episode? Yeah. <laughs> um, Pretty high. Uh, we crash right into that steel factory. The workers are now scrambling because, you know, a truck filled with liquid nitrogen yeah. is crashing into their molten metal steel factory. Uh-huh. Oh, and and we should say that the tank has has exploded and liquid nitrogen is going everywhere. Mm-hmm. I have not played with liquid nitrogen,
2: <laughs> nor should you.
1: There's a lot of cooking that people do with liquid nitrogen. What? Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I've never. No, I mean, I don't think home cooks don't really. Yeah, do I was
2: gonna say it. in my my mind, I'm thinking of Pam. I'm like, no one's cooking with liquid nitrogen, Pam.
1: No. <laughs> That's what's no. in my head, yeah. they <laughs> have, those, have you been to those ice cream places that make ice cream with liquid nitrogen? No. Yeah, there are a bunch of them around.
3: Yeah, there's a place, yeah, they're called uh Ice Cream Lab or Yeah,
1: or, and it's yeah, called like
3: dra- one particular uh uh establishment makes these things called dragon balls oh. that are almost like cheese puffs, but they inject oh, okay. them with liquid nitrogen, so when you uh, chew on it yeah. you can breathe the liquid nitrogen out through your nose oh, cool. oh that's cool yeah
1: we've, we've had those <laughs> um that's cool um wow. literally cool ah. Ah. Um, and that in fact is exactly what's happened to the t-1000 who's walking through the liquid nitrogen he takes a step and he takes another step his foot sticks a little bit another step and it sticks a little more and another step and it sticks and he pulls and he breaks his leg off and then his other leg breaks off, and his hand goes in the ground. And he breaks his hand off, and he slowly freezes in place. And Arnold... In
2: horror, in a bit of horror.
1: Yeah, like he doesn't understand what's happening to his body. Like, how is this happening? And Arnold sees it, and he pulls out his, his handgun. And what does he say?
3: Hasta la vista, baby. That is the only line of dialogue
1: that he speaks to the T-1000. Mm, that is ah. the one line. And he fires... And the Terminator shatters into a million pieces. Yeah. Which do you think,
3: had he not shot it, would it have taken him as long or longer
1: to reform? Hmm. I think it would have taken less time because it had less reforming to do. That's a good question. I mean, I don't know a lot about memetic, polyalloy, whatever it is. Sure. But uh, that would be my assumption. Um, and, again, this is the moment where the tanker truck explodes in Terminator, and we think the Terminator is ha! dead, and then he right. ri- is going to rise up. And John walks back to Arnold as Sarah gets out of the car, and Arnold watches as the molten steel slowly goes towards the shattered T-1000, <laughs> and the metal, which was been frozen, starts to melt, and the little droplets start to reassemble. <laughs> That's a great moment of going, oh, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> And they walk away and Arnold is now limping and the molten metal is starting to rise up into the shape of a body. And then that cop is back. And Sarah's having real trouble because she had a bad shot, which was bleeding a lot in the leg. And the cop is coming faster and faster. And Arnold tells them, go, run. Go, run. No, we got to stick together. John. John, you got to go now. John. Go, now. No! No. And there's a great shot as Arnold turns. It's like his close-up with his hand down the barrel as he goes to fight. It's a really, really good shot. And we could see him scanning with Terminator vision. We don't see the T-1000. And then he suddenly comes out of nowhere, mm. and they fight. And this is a great, great fight sequence. Arnold looks even more outmatched yeah. in this one. Um, and I love it when this is that moment you were talking about before, where he gets thrown in the wall and he reverses his body. Yeah, so kick ass. That is so cool. And then the other one was Arnold punches him in the head yeah. and his head, his, stu- hand, and his hand gets stuck. And then his whereas the head was, turns into hands and the head comes up somewhere else. Yeah. It's really cool and really creative. Just like the T800, the T1000 is learning. Yep. Yeah. And this, of course, is the moment where Kyle turns back to, t- to fight the Terminator in the factory in Terminator. Right. It's like exactly. It's, again, it's not a criticism, but watching it this last time, I was I don't like. don't know. It's not. I have other criticisms. Cameron, and they are coming. Cameron's going to. But he, this isn't one he of. He listens to this. I don't know what he's going to do to us. I told, I told him where he could meet me. <laughs> oh, whoa. Yikes. Um, and we also see little bits of T-1000 glitching. Yeah, which was much more extensive in, in, in another cut of the film. There oh. was a lot. Apparently, like the idea is that once he went through the liquid nitrogen, he's not running properly anymore, oh, and he glitches a lot. And they just pulled it way back because it wasn't necessary. Um, and Sarah and Sean end up on a platform. Oh, I should I should say, Arnold's arm gets crushed in some sort of piece of machinery, so he uh, and he gets trapped there, uh, and the T one thousand goes away, and. Arnold grabs, like, some kind of metal pike or pole or something and rips his own arm off. And then the cop is coming up the stairs, and they're backing up away from him. And John uh, grabs some kind of chain on some platform, and Sarah lowers him down to protect him. And why is the cop walking so slow? We've established that he's quite fast.
2: Yeah, what he wants to be.
1: Why doesn't he want to
2: be? A sense of dread.
1: <laughs>
2: playing with his oh. prey
1: the glitch yeah the glitch oh maybe the glitch Yeah. point okay well that's why i think maybe they wanted the glitch because at this moment it's like he's right there and you're just slowly meandering up these stairs while he gets lowered away uh and of course john down below is saying like come here come here to his mom and then he gets kind of pushed away by some machinery and she's not going down Mm. she's loaded up her gun she fires big hole right through t-1000's head and then watch it and we see her her through the hole in the head, which is a great shot. yeah, and then it just starts to seal up. She reloads and she drops her the round and he grabs the gun and drives a spike through her shoulder. Mm. And what does he tell her? Call to John, why? What's that? Why? He'll come back. What? He's completely capable of imitating her perfectly. her voice. This is a well-established Terminator uh, power. Yeah. Ooh. He does it literally like two yeah, minutes from true, now. True, true. Ooh. Wow. I I I feel like this is where like the end of this movie falls apart a little bit for me. Oh. Um, is I just kind of like he walked slowly up, giving John time to run away. And then he spends all this time trying to get her to call to him when we've clearly established that he can imitate her perfectly. Yeah. And that's and we've even said the terminator said Arnold said earlier he's going to find your mom and kill her and imitate her and call, and then use that to lure you in. Well,
3: I imagine because he if John were to come back it's an open area like he could see. So I mean, the T1000 might be able to call out using Linda Hamilton's voice, but he can see she's right there.
1: Mm. There's literally molten lava everywhere. He could get rid of Linda Hamilton. <laughs> it just they wanted to have the moment. And they and, and no. again, this is where they wanted to have the fuck you moment with Sarah Connor not giving into the terminator and I think the moment is great. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense to me.
0: Call to John now.
1: <laughs> fuck you. And just as she says fuck you, she's not going to call out, here comes Arnold with a big hit with that metal pike and just yeah. like s- practically cuts the T1000 in half. <laughs> It's great. Unsettling. Um, yeah, it is disturbing. Um and unfortunately, he pulls the he reforms, pulls that pull Tras- out yeah. of his own body and then beats the ever-living shit out of Arnold.
2: Yeah, and God, listen, at this time in Arnold's career to take this kind of beating.
1: Yeah. Is pretty amazing. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is such a smart man. Yeah. And he, I don't think I mean, there's no question the guy's got a big ego, mm-hmm. but I think he understood. He understood why this was great for his career.
2: Well, in just about every one of his good films, he's an underdog. He's mm-hmm. an underdog in Kindergarten Cop because he's in this new situation he can't handle necessarily. He's an underdog in this movie because he's not the he's not the newer model. He's the model before. Right. He's an underdog in Twins because this idea of having to reconnect with his brother in this new society outside of the lab. He's an underdog. All the good movies that he's done, even in Conan, he's an underdog because he has been trained to be a fighter in a cage for a majority of his life. He has no concept of how to be actual in this world and he has to figure out how to survive. And Rick, so the, all the best, and that's just smart marketing because when you're that size, no one thinks you should have any problem doing anything. Right. So when you put him in these films where he is. A step behind it makes the audience naturally cheer for him, feel that underdog thing, and and when he succeeds, it's all the more gratifying.
1: Um, I think that the the sort of stranger in a strange land aspect of twins, kindergarten cop, Mm. and this, and and to some degree Conan, all really work to his strengths. Mm -hmm. You know, which is the sort of, you know, him trying to figure out how this stuff works and him being sort of endearing and charming and innocent. As he is in all three of those movies in a weird way. Even Total Recall. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, Total Recall. He doesn't know who he is.
1: Absol- to, no, it's he's, true. He's on a search. The I don't whole like time. Total Recall as much. Well, I'm just saying yeah. the premise yeah. of it all. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to Commando, where he totally is in charge of everything. Which is
2: why I don't like that movie.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Or raw deal. <laughs> I loved Raw Deal. in, 19- in the late 80s. <laughs> I've watched it over and over again. Oh. I haven't seen it probably since 1989. Oh my god. I, I is that I, the one with Belushi? Is no, that a, that's Red no, Heat. No, that's Red Heat. Red Heat, heat is okay. good. Red Heat is good, son. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm certain that Raw Deal is, is terrible, <laughs> yeah. but it does have a line that we quoted all the time, which is, you should not drink and bake. <laughs> and bake. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, hell, even in Predator, he's underdog, um, because this is a creature from another planet. Absolutely. Well, to be clear, in general, heroes have to be underdogs, because if heroes are not, then we don't have expectations of them losing. I mean, you don't put like that's why Superman is such a difficult character to deal with yeah, because yeah. he's so powerful.
0: Yeah.
2: Is
1: that you almost always have to put a hero? You have to put a hero up against something that is is hard, hard for them to beat. Otherwise, it's not a dramatic movie. Okay. Otherwise, all movies like this would be short films. It would be. It, cause would, the, it would be one scene. Because <laughs> if it's if it's Superman fighting toe to toe with the Joker, he would go, <laughs> and that would be the end of the movie. Right. Um. Anyway. Uh, But we do digress Um, Because the T-1000 is beating the crap out of Arnold As we said Mm -hmm. Um, And he knocks him down And he lifts up that pipe And he drives it right through Arnold's back And then Arnold is trying to crawl away He sees a gun below him He reaches for it The T-1000 drives the thing in again And this time we see the lightning And Arnold's eye goes dead That is the end of the Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. Or so we think. And it's
3: almost any sort of uh, machine that you have that's battery powered. When you see it slowing down and slowing down as the battery is dying, it's the same thing as he's trying to reach for the gun. Like, obviously, he's severely damaged, but he can't quite reach it because he's out of power. Right. Like any other machine.
1: Sarah's reloading. John is running through this tunnel hiding. Um, And what happens next? That light in the eye comes back on.
3: That scene. Yes. That scene was not in the original cut of the film. Oh, really? Where he pulls the rod out. I love oh. the pulling the rod out. Because originally it was, he was just going to come back with that last shot where he shoots T-1000. Cameron knew, he's like, I don't think the audience will accept you just coming back to life. They shot that on Christmas Day. Really? Yep. Wow. Schwarzenegger was supposed to go over to, I think, Bruce Willis's house. And Cameron said, I need you to, to come.
1: negotiate their deal for Planet, <laughs> for planet Hollywood.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Stallone was teleconferencing <laughs> it from the Maldives. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that was actually shot on Christmas Day. Oh,
1: and me. Arnold didn't get to celebrate with 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 Bruce. <laughs> so the moment of him pulling that thing through is awesome. Yeah. I don't like that light. The, I, I just feel like it violates. I, the light coming back on? It just, it's like, okay, this is a totally ridiculous uh Example, Mm -hmm. But there's an episode of Star Trek where uh, they figure out that – I believe it is called the Annihilation something – where they figure out they're the little like one-cell creatures that look like little pieces of ugly jello that they figure out uh, the only way to stop them from controlling uh, all the bodies is to hit them with horrible bright white light. And they do it to Mr. Spock, making him blind and uh and then they and then but fortunately mr spock has a secret uh eyelid that he that no other species has that allowed him <laughs> later on to describe why in fact although it seemed like he was blind that he's really not oh my God. that's what the alternate battery power source is to me <laughs> is like we want to give you the moment of arnold is dead but then we want to bring him back to life and so oh oh he's got another battery pack He's got an extra eyelid. He's fine. Turn the generator on, Charlie. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But Arnold comes back, and John now, who has been hiding, hears his mom's voice. John, John, help. He comes out, and there is Sarah, and she's calling out to him. And then there's another Sarah. Again, these are the twins.
0: Get out of the way, John.
1: Fortunately, unlike many Star Trek episodes, he doesn't have the, wait, which one is the real one? Mm -hmm. He figures it out right away, and Sarah opens fire. Mm. And she has her own super cool way of cocking that weapon. Yeah. That looks really great, and she just blasts into him, backing the T-1000 up until he is right at the edge of the platform where he's going to fall into molten lava and then click yeah she needed one more round Hmm. and he heals himself and there's a great camera push in on robert patrick as he wags his finger at sarah connor (laughs) t-1000 has some some
0: sass
1: (laughs) sarah drops the gun john runs up and they turn to try to get away and what do they see arnold rolling up on a gear And they drop down and he fires with that grenade launcher. Splits the T one thousand in two. And it is this is the most disturbing one. It is really freaky.
3: It's it's the shape of it, but it's also the expression on his face. Just yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's the it's the eyes wide open. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, so by the way, how they did that was they had Robert Patrick sit in a chair strapped down with a laser scanner that went across his face while he had to hold that emotional expression for like 10 minutes wow. for them to scan. This is like the precursor to like motion capture and all these other things that we do now that for th- that technology, it took forever um, in order to get those facial expressions. Yikes. And the sound of the screaming is just really disturbing. Yeah. And he goes back down into the molten lava, and that's when the 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 screaming, the visuals—they just go nuts. You see the old redheaded guard, you see the stepmom, you see faces turn into other faces, oh, yeah. and I mean, it is really disturbing. And the sound and the screaming is James Cameron. Ah, uh, really? It's James Cameron making those noises. I don't know how. I'm sure it's that and a lot of other stuff. Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying and then there's this really weird there's a top done shot of of you, you see the face and then the mouth opens and it almost kind of folds inside out and the face kind of dissipates and reappears and then just melts away
3: yeah it looks like an 80s heavy metal band album cover
1: uh, totally <laughs> totally and that is the end of the t-1000 and john runs to arnold and arnold says I need a vacation <laughs> this is where I'm out.
0: I just like I really do
1: like the movie. I really like it a lot the 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 cheesiness of this last scene is just wow, I don't believe I need a vacation i the the this, The distance that the Terminator character goes in what you know in learning about humans is in expressing emotions and stuff it's just too far for me as a, as a too,
3: filmmaker why does he why does he put that line in?
1: It's really funny. Well, and this is, and, and, and Cameron talked about this is like getting the balance right. Like when they did the, the Arnold trying to smile stuff, yeah. it was too comedic and they had to take it out. Mm-hmm. And getting the balance between, you know, I, I, I had a teacher who, when I was doing sitcoms at USC, and my teacher was Sam Denhoff, who had written for the Dick Van Dyke show. He created That Girl. He's like an old school, you know, serious comedy writer. And I had written some joke for some sitcom I had written. He said, That is a great joke. That is not the right joke. You can't have that joke because it's the wrong style of comedy for this show. And he, of course, he's totally right. And it's like sometimes you have a thing that's really funny and it's not necessarily the right thing. And in my opinion, I need a vacation is not the right thing. Yeah. But it's un- I bet people broke up and were in hysterics in every movie oh, theater. Yeah. Um, and, and, and here's one other thing I'll say about this I'm wrong. And the reason I'm wrong is this is a hugely successful movie that people love. People are I'm getting thrown out of the movie by some of the stuff that happens in this last scene, but most people aren't. Hmm. So I'm not right. I mean, I am, but
2: (laughs) well, I would counter that they had so many conversations. Edward Furlong's character and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Terminator. We don't know fully what he told him, what he showed him. Sure. So. He might have thrown that into his vocabulary as well. I need a vacation or something like that. You might have thrown Maybe. it in.
1: You never know. Um, and they kind of confirm is it dead, and he says terminated. Um, and then they go, "Well, will this melt in here?" And he pulls out the hand, and they throw that in. Yeah. And they throw the chip in, and then John goes, "It's over." No. There's one more chip. And Arnold points to his own head. And he hands this controller to Sarah uh, that's going to lower this platform. And he says, I cannot self-terminate. You must lower me into the steel. And this is when Edward Furlong freaks out.
0: No. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. No, it'll be okay. Stay with us. It'll be okay.
1: And John goes no and no. And he's begging. And he's ordering him not to go. Which for some reason now the Terminator can ignore the orders not to go. And he says, you got to do it. And then... He says, I know now why you cry. Oh.
2: I know now why you cry. But it's something I can never do.
1: But it's something I can never do. Never <laughs> do. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, what? I,
3: I, I mean, I get it. It's all saccharine. You
1: hard-hearted
2: sons of bitches.
1: Yes.
3: It's <laughs> a beautiful moment, man. <laughs> He's
2: learning. He's
1: still yeah. learning, too. They're beautifully backlit by the molten lava that's everywhere. Yeah, it's really- uh, it's, it's all beautifully shot. Yeah. Uh, Arnold and John Connor hug, take Sarah's hand. She nods. They say goodbye, and Sarah lowers the Terminator down into the molten steel. Yeah. You have the wonderful
3: theme playing behind it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Now I think I'm not a so musician would have to confirm this, but I think we're now hearing it in a major key. You know, in a totally different key than we've heard before. It's very positive now mm-hmm. that it sounds that it doesn't sound that way in the rest of the movie. Um, and the sounds as he goes in are great, and the the flames coming up are great. And then we get what I will say is the ultimately cheesy moment in this film. What the hell is wrong with you? That thumbs up is so ridiculous. You
2: have to look at this through the prism that he had spent a lot of time with John Connor, and John Connor at that age. And all these interactions that they were having, even the silent, the interactions that they're having where they don't hear the voice and Sarah Connor is watching them have it.
3: You do see him yeah. raise his. Yes. That, that's true. It's called
2: a payoff,
3: Steve. I'm, I'm more with Steve. I mean, I think you could, well, of have course. Had, you could have had that moment. You stuffy little writers. Listen, <laughs> this is a beautiful moment.
2: And it's a, it's a smart moment, and it's, it solidifies the relationship that's been building throughout the whole movie about the father. It's a father-son, rela- pseudo-father-son relationship. And so when he does the thumbs-up he's saying to him, it's all going to be fine, which is what John says to Sarah multiple times throughout the movie. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. Him putting the thumbs-up at the end is saying it's going to be fine. It's not, yeah, it's cool for the audience. It's, it's a fun little game. But I'm telling you, people cry. Agreed. I'm sure. I, I, well, this is why I say I'm wrong. It's not cheesy. I it is. Yeah, but you say but you, it's successful. You say I'm not wrong, but I'm kind of right. Yes,
0: you say. not really a hundred, you don't believe
2: what you're saying. Correct. That's, That's actually what I'm saying.
1: that actually is true. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That is true. Here no, here's here, <laughs> But I respect here, you guys feeling that it is cheesy. Here, I respect here, them. I, I, so uh Hoover, my partner and I he, he would do a joke which is whenever we would completely agree on something in a mm-hmm. project we were working on, we would if he and I were 100% in agreement, we would then conclude with, well, then that must be a terrible idea. Because if we both agree, nobody is ever going to buy this. And that proved to be true over and over and over again. And this is where it's like, I think, I, I like Avatar. I also think Avatar is cheesy. Um, I do too. And Avatar is the most successful. Is it still the most successful movie of all time? Uh, yes.
3: Think domestically,
1: okay. I think so, domestically. so and this is where I go. No, like, no, no, it's worldwide. 200 it's two hundred something, two hundred sixty-eight. Is that people? It, it's like Terminator, mm-hmm. the original Terminator, is bleak and dark and cynical, and it does not give you a whole lot of hope. Mm-hmm. And this movie is a family movie in a lot of ways. Yes. I mean, even though there's swearing and violence, and it's R-rated, it's still like. You know, like, we're the family working together and, you know, bonding and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a very different kind of film. And I, to- I do like it. I'm not saying I don't. Um, and by the way, then we, the, yeah. the last thing we have, because we just right at the end, so let's get there, is that we're back on that image of the road. And the voiceover is, the unknown future rolls towards us. I face it for the first time with hope because if a machine, a Terminator, can learn the value of human life, maybe we can too. And originally, there was another scene.
3: Mm. I don't know. I don't know if it was ever filmed. But we flash forward. Sarah is an old woman. Oh, it's filmed. Is it filmed? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen it at the playground. Yep. You see John Connor without the
1: scar. Yes. Playing with a kid.
2: I saw that. I remember that scene. It's horrible. <laughs>
1: it, right. You know, it's just you know, like makeup's horrible all around. No, it's just cheesy. It's just. I mean, like. Right. It, I, it, I think this ending is a really good ending. Mm-hmm. I think that ending would have been a bad ending. Yeah. Um, I mean in general I mean we've seen this over and over again on, on the show is that the deleted scenes, they were correct. Yeah. That's <laughs> just signs them. of like and, th- and this is the you know, it's a really important filmmaking thing. You don't know till you get in post. Yeah. And all great writers write stuff and put in and filmmakers film stuff and might do brilliant things doing it. And then good filmmakers look at it and go, Nope, that doesn't stay in. It doesn't work.
2: Well, then how do you explain uh, something like the director's cut for Batman vs. Superman being more widely beloved than the original cut? That's essentially 30 minutes of deleted scenes they're putting back into the movie.
1: So, I, first of all, I haven't seen it. Um, nor, so, sh- nor should you. Okay. It's so bad. Well, I mean, I didn't like the movie, so that the, I have very little Oh, drive. I see. You haven't seen the ultimate cut. I haven't seen the ultimate cut. Gotcha. I saw the, the theatrical cut. Gotcha. Um, but... So there are a lot – there are reasons that there are director's cuts and and, so, and frequently, the idea of the director's cut is that the movie was taken out of the hands right. of the director and there is some other vision. Oh, so you don't consider those deleted scenes, director's cuts uh, being the, added into the movie? I, I will say there's there, – it seems like it happens in two ways. Mm-hmm. One way is that, hey, we have some real vision of why this is an interesting film to release yeah. in this other way that we couldn't release theatrically or that we were not allowed to release theatrically. And the other is we want to get more money out of the crowd by sho- by showing them some ultimate cut of something where the director doesn't like you remember this is years ago when we did Amadeus. Yeah. And um, – What's the name of the director? Just want on. Milos Forman. Milos Forman hated that director's cut and yes. said it like we didn't. We wanted this stuff out, yeah. but they found a way that we we're going to make more money by selling a director's cut, and that's why they did it. It's terrible, the director's cut.
3: And I will say for the BVS Ultimate Cut, which which I have seen, yeah, it clarifies a lot of things. The the, the plot makes a little right. more sense. It does not make it a better movie, right? But it does make it connects the dots.
1: The Reception of this film. It was a really big hit. Yep. Um you had something you were going to say about the budget way back in the beginning.
3: Oh so uh as the budget was ballooning uh the executives wanted to cut Arnold's introduction at the biker bar. Really? Oh, they wanted that. That's cut. what they wanted to cut. That was a scene that they wanted cut. I mean wow. look at the amount of money that was spent on the various sequences and for whatever reason that was the scene they wanted cut and I don't know if it even ever made it to Cameron's desk because Arnold said no. He's like, that is the that is the type of cut that an executive would suggest.
1: Ridic- also, not that expensive a scene. Yeah. yeah, like that's not where you're saving your money. Like the, the tanker trucks and explosions, and that's where you're saving your money. Yeah, that biker scene's not that big, and it's hilarious. That's that's just ridiculous. Um, the movie was the most expensive movie to make at the time mm-hmm. of all time, hundred million dollars. And it was the biggest hit of 1991 and the biggest movie for Arnold of all time and obviously solidifies the Terminator property into all of the stuff that we've had since then.
2: Yes. (laughs) Unfortunately. With
1: the exception of your performance of John Connor at Universal Studios, (laughs) it's almost all bad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Terminator 3 is fine, in my opinion. It's okay. I think we had a conversation about it in our last podcast. You can all go back and listen to it then.
3: It's... Had they taken a moment to breathe in that movie, I think it could have been it could have been really good. But it does negate no fate but what we make.
1: Right. Well, and then you get into the the other like I watched the most recent sequel. I might have been a little intoxicated. Mm. And Is this I, the Genesis yeah, one. I literally have no idea what the hell was going on in that
0: movie.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. uh, it, it won a bunch of technical Oscars: sound, sound editing, mixing, makeup, special effects, obviously. Um, and it is, you know, a hugely beloved movie. I'll tell you what, I will give my final thoughts Uh, first because oh. uh, because Shannon is our Terminator expert and I'll give you a chance to, uh, I, I know you have strong feelings about this movie. I think this is a great, important film. Mm-hmm. I think it is incredibly well done. I love all the action sequences. I love Arnold in it. I love Linda Hamilton and Joe Morton in it. And it's just the little cheesiness at the ending that kind of makes me go, oh, yeah. But I would totally, I've watched it dozens of times and I will watch it many times in the future. I really, really like it. It's just little things I don't like about it. Yeah. Um, how about you? Uh, here's my final thoughts. It's still a
2: film that holds up 27 years later, which is hard, which is insane. Uh, its themes are still relevant. This idea of technology, what it may do to us, what it could lead to, all still relevant, and it, and if nothing else, if you want to strip all that away. It's actually a very sweet father and son story, and, and mother yep. as well, in, in a, to a lesser degree through the movie. And what you find out though, actually, it just you have to you have to admire the technical technicality of the film, the special effects, all the makeup they did, all the work they did on the CGI stuff. Like all of that is really incredible, and the pace of the film works uh except maybe except when they get to Mexico the T1000 is a little out of the film for too long in my opinion but when he comes back it comes back in such a, po- a powerful way grandiose way from the helicopter stunt to the uh, to the uh, liquid nitrogen thing all of that lets you see how how determined this thing is so overall all I'm, all I would say is that it's a great enjoyable movie from that time uh and it's one that probably has influenced numerous action oh, yeah. movies since absolutely yeah and and one that's makes good use of schwarzenegger uh, maybe for, for the next to last time mm-hmm. and so that to me is, is uh, phenomenal as well and the fact that we're still doing sequels about it speaks to you speaks to vol- speaks volumes about how good this movie is and how beloved this franchise is yeah
3: what about you I love Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I mean, not only did it sort of set me on the path of, of my professional career, mm. but this film hangs in with every modern day blockbuster. And this, I think this is the film that ushered in the 90s blockbuster, oh, the 90s yeah. action blockbuster. Yeah, I agree. Which, like all things that usher in a trend, it's the best and it's never, you know, the, the things yeah. that follow it do not quite reach the heights i agree edward furlong is not the strongest actor sure it it gets a little slow in mexico and i mean i will say with the t1000 i mean they are completely off the grid he wouldn't necessarily have that in his files right um but yes i mean this is a fantastic fantastic film the special effects 27 years later still hold up and it's a it's a great
1: film to go and revisit Yep. So, that's what we think of Terminator 2. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. Please visit us on our Facebook page. Just do a search for the Cinephiles. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube and a whole bunch of other places. Please leave reviews on iTunes if you haven't already done it. They really do help us a lot. Leave comments on YouTube. We'd love to hear them. Uh, Of course, we're always grateful to our supporters on Patreon, and normally what we talk about is the people that uh, pledge enough in order to select one of our movies, and of course we're very grateful to all of them, and we love doing the movies that you pick. But I want to talk about something else which is that if you go on patreon you can pledge just one dollar and at one dollar a month that's 25 cents per episode that's paying what john connor was paying to play missile command in 1991 nice and that would be a tremendous help for us Mm -hmm. and it would allow you to be part of the cinephiles community to see some of the things that go on on patreon and we would really really appreciate it it's not just the people pledging 25 or 35 dollars a month it's people pledging a dollar a month that mean a lot so love you to go on to patreon.com slash the cinephiles and check that out if you ever want to buy or rent a movie that we talk about you can go to cinephiles.net where you can find every movie we ever review and as always you can reach me on twitter at sr morris john where could they reach you you can always reach me at uh instagram and twitter at the roca says r-o-c-h-a there And Shannon, if people would like to reach
3: you and see the stuff that you're doing, where would they find you? They can find me on Twitter um, at Shannon underscore McClung. And if you would go onto my Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash Shannon
1: McClung fan page and give it a little like, that
3: would make my representation incredibly happy.
1: We're all Shannon McClung fans here, and you should be too. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been great having you back. Thank you very much. Always a blast. Yeah. And I think uh, that's it for this week, and we will see you next time on The Cinephiles.